Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to like, follow, rate, and review, and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Podbay, Stitcher, Alexa via TuneIn, and all of the other options. You can also stream the web- stream the episodes from the website, aboutreview.com. I think it is at the point where people are like, oh, that's just part of this shtick. He messes up. No, I legitimately have so much to say that I mess it up almost every time. Right. Uh, so stream the episodes from the website aboutreview.com where you can also find full links to the show notes and the guests. Mm-hmm. Follow the podcast on social media at aboutreview, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, YouTube.com slash aboutreview as well. On today's episode, uh, continuing the Black History Month uh, spotlight on just actors and creators and directors uh, for the month of February 2018. Today's episode is a director spotlight of, you know, uh, a young kind of independent filmmaker making a little bit of waves here and there. Name of Ryan Coogler. <laughs> and joining me on this director spotlight episode is the one, the only Tim Hall, the people's critic. You know, when you said you were continuing the Black History Month thing, I thought it was just another black guest. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're going to have black guest all month. This is going to be crazy. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I know that I have a guest lined up for... Next week, also, that I'm still kind of working out and some other things in the works. But so far, uh, Chris Lambert, David Crownson, you. There we go. So, yeah. And never fear, dear listeners, if you're like, Black History Month is more just about, is, is about more than just black men. I agree, which is why I'm working on some other guests at the moment. Good. So, yeah. So, we're going to talk about uh, Ryan Coogler's films, which are Fruitvale Station, Creed, and then the upcoming Black Panther uh, we're also going to talk about the Cloverfield franchise because Cloverfield Paradox just dropped the other day. Uh, and then we're going to go into, uh, at the end of the episode, a guilty pleasure slash unexpected pleasure in a film that uh, that we like in the black community mm-hmm. <laughs> that is just ridiculous. So that will be on this week's episode. Right now we go to the original theme song made by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back Welcome to back. the show, everybody. <laughs> so Ryan Coogler, yeah. actually, before we go into Ryan Coogler, because yeah. I did mention Black History Month, mm-hmm. it is February, the coldest, shortest month of the year, but hey, you know, whatever. No. Uh, do you have any Black History Month stories or things that you want to talk about in this ever important month <laughs> of the year? <laughs> I don't know. You know, the, the first thing I thought of was my, uh, you've met my friend Marcus before. Mm-hmm. He was talking the other day just about... You know, we se- we often <laughs> wow wow. Who has their phone on during the podcast? Oops. Um, 
he was talking about you know we we often celebrate sort of these the spirits and the ghosts of black history right people who've passed mm-hmm. instead of looking forward to people who are now making history and celebrating these people in those times so mm-hmm. i just encourage people to look at the people around you people in at work people in your areas of influence people in, in areas that you enjoy in music and arts and cinema and science and and think about those people and, and what they're doing in history and celebrate them during this time i think that's mm-hmm. also very much important so that's what i think about now like yeah you know, I think about the past, I think about my nephew learning things I've never learned. Like he did a, a black history report this week. So, you know, my friend's kids, the stuff that they're learning, that's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's your first time hearing about these these sort of pioneers in black history. Um, but also, you know, looking forward and saying, who can we look at now? Who can we encourage? And, you know, because it's going to we're going to need more people to sort of move this movement on. It really is. I mean, yeah, that is an excellent point, because, you know, growing up, it was the. Martin Luther King's, it was the Harriet Tubman, it was the Malcolm X, it was the Frederick Douglass, which are, which are great. And those are very important people that we absolutely, absolutely should respect and research. Black history did not stop in the (laughs) sixties or the seventies. And so, yeah, finding people in the modern age, either currently that are still alive, still working, still doing stuff, you know, or people that passed away even recently. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Uh, one of my Black History Month things, what was always fascinating uh, growing up is my dad would frequently do lectures and talks at schools and just all over all over the place during Black History Month. And he, he would love doing that and telling his stories and educating people. That is his background. But it was always with that underlying almost disappointment when he was like, okay, in the last week of January... I know my phone is going to start blowing up. My emails are going to blow it up because people are like, Hey, come down and give a talk about black history month. And he was like, okay, like I, I will, because it is important. You can call me any month of the year. (laughs) And so I think that is the other important thing is just recognizing you can celebrate black culture, black people, black art, black music, Mm -hmm. any day of the year. (laughs) It does not have to be, Oh my gosh, in, in February, we need to do all of these programs and all of these things. That is important. But focus on it also during the rest of the year. So that being said, this month in 2018 in particular, or rather this year, mm-hmm. Black History Month is taking a second place. Uh, this month really should just be called Black Panther Month. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, that movie is, it is going to be amazing. So what we will do once we get to that part of the episode is right. Tim and I do have an, an advanced press screening that by the time this drops, the embargo will be out so we can it's talk up, about it's it up now. Well, techni- yeah, technically it is up now. We just we cannot post we cannot post on social media that we are seeing it when we are seeing it. But immediately after the movie, you can write a review. It, embargoes are weird, people. But what we're going to do is, since we have not seen it yet as we are recording, is after we see it that night, Tim will Skype in and we will record a little bit that then I will have Damien drop in the middle of the episode. So, okay, there we go. So, so that's how the sausage gets made. That is how the, how the sausage do. gets made. <laughs> well, I wanted, do. I wanted to record on, well, I was going to say when we were seeing it, I wanted to record right after we saw it, but logistically it was not going to work out to so have to do it. A little bit differently. Yeah. So onto the director spotlight. Yes. For the one Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I would say, I would normally ask with a director, when did you first see a Ryan Coogler film or insert director here? Ryan Coogler has only made currently, well, I mean, yeah, technically three feature length films. Mm -hmm. Fruitvale Station, Creed, and Black Panther. Right. So instead of asking, where did you find him? Because it was Fruitvale Station, most likely. When you saw Fruitvale Station... So talk a little bit about Fruitvale Station, what it is, and kind of how, what your mindset was like watching this film. Well, it's a story about the last 24 hours of Oscar Grant, a young man who was fatally shot at a BART station, the Fruitvale Station in uh, in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I had never watched the video of him getting shot. Right. I'm not a someone who like traffics in like, let me see. From 2009? No, nah, it's online. Before that. Was it? Was it online? I thought, oh, no, sorry. The, uh, let me pull that up. Yeah. Which it just. But, um, but yeah, so I never really, I'm not someone who watches that. I don't care who it is. I'm not watching. 2008. Them. Now I'm not watching a person die. So I never really watched it. So when the movie starts, it starts with the footage of him being, it's the yeah. actual footage that's taken that, you know, that people have seen. So I was mm-hmm. like, great, now I'm stuck watching this thing. And it sort of just follows him through uh, through his last day down to his sort of his final moments on the on the platform at the train station. Mm-hmm. Um. It was powerful. It was it was impactful, and and it humanized a person that people tried to demonize immediately in the wake of his death. Of course, right? he must have done something. What did he do mm-hmm. wrong? And you you're seeing these people as normal people. True story. Uh, this guy I used to commute with on the light rail. You know, we were talking. He's from the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and so after I saw Fruitvale, I was like, "Yo, man, you gonna see Fruitvale?" He was like, "Bro, I can't watch it." Yeah, I said, "What you mean?" He was like, "I used to go." To the store Oscar Grant worked at, I would see that man all the time. Mm. He was like, I can't watch. He was just like, I can't watch it. Like I was, I literally would talk to that dude. I would see him. Sheesh. So I can't. I'm not gonna watch. This. I can't. As much as I want to support, I can't watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't really get emotional watching the film. I mean, it was like three of us in the theater when we screened. It was like a midday screening. Right. Um. I think Brian Tybel was with with, with me. Mm-hmm. Brian, the movie guy. He was sitting next to me, and I remember just watching it. And I, I didn't get super emotional. I thought. You know, the scene at the end when he gets shot would get me. But it wasn't that. It was when they flashed to the actual real footage of his daughter. Yep. That I that I, I all of a sudden got emotional. And I was like, oh, this is a real thing. This happened to a real person. Mm-hmm. And that's a real young wo- woman who doesn't have her dad anymore. And that's when sort of these emotions came. You know how we're supposed to give like, hey, what do you think of the movie afterwards? I couldn't really say much. Yeah, right after the film when the studio, the studio rep at all of our press screenings stands at the clipboard <laughs> like, so Tim, what did you and like I couldn't really I didn't have work like it legitimately was like yeah. if I say something I'm probably gonna cry. Yep. So let me I was like I was just like I enjoyed it and just sort of kept it pushing. Mm-hmm. Um but I had so many thoughts. Because I mean, the the crazy thing about Fruitvale was I mean that could have been that's the one situation I remember looking at thinking that could have easily been me and my friends at yep. any point in our twenties kicking in Vegas, hanging out and it could have mm-hmm. easily been any of us. Um and so that that's was scary yeah. to think of that, to think of, you know, there were moments in my 20s where that could have been us. And the way Krugler, the way Krugler sort of frames the story, the way he frames um, Oscar Grant and the way Michael B. Jordan portrays him, I think, mm-hmm. was impactful because they didn't make him out to be a saint. They just made him out to be a human being. Exactly. And yep. going through his day to day and then this tragedy happens and that it has a ripple effect like on his mom um, on his kids, on his mm-hmm. girlfriend. Um, 
which is what yeah. these things do. Yeah. Any any situation like this, I mean, even if it is not something to the level of what happened to Oscar Grant, yeah. You know, in part of the film, you see him the year prior on right. his mother's birthday, Octav- played by Octavia Spencer, who is incredible. Uh, you know, and he is locked up. Mm-hmm. Something like that that just again it sends a ripple through your entire circle. Yeah. You know, so girlfriend, child, mother, everything. Right. And Kugler, I mean, you touched on it, you know, a little bit that Oscar Grant was not perfect. And I think that was something that Ryan Kugler did a really good job showing. Mm -hmm. These characters, all of the characters were organic and imperfect. Yeah. They were, I mean, they felt real. Like these are what real people would do. It was not always the, oh, so he lost his job, but he is making it. You know, and it just like he is still making bad decisions <laughs> because somebody in that position or like that is what people do. Right. And, and, and no disrespect to, to other directors and stuff. But like you think of something like Patriot's Day, right, where mm-hmm. it's very much these these quasi perfect heroes right. and these super evil villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not really how it goes down. Like, yeah. No. None of these people are dipped in gold. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, but even if you're not dipped in gold, you still have a right to humanity we have as people we have a right to the same um protections that affords everybody else Mm -hmm. in america and i think when you don't see that and then you see after after a person's death that they're they're vilified and demonized in Mm -hmm. the public eye it's even worse it's like dying twice it happens right you're (laughs) gone and then they kill you again they kill the memory of you you, they make you out to be this this bastard of a person and i think you know Kugler being from the East Bay, mm-hmm. Oscar Grant was very much in the film was remind me of my cousins in East Oakland, like right. act the same way, behave the same way, talk the same way. And so he had a really good a vision for, I didn't know he, you know, would be t- turned to this guy he is now, but I thought, man, <laughs> right. this guy really has an eye for, for, for making his film feel very realized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think it, it comes from that lived in experience. Right. So, I mean, a little bit about Ryan, Kugler himself. I mean, like he was born in Oakland, right. uh, moved to Richmond, yeah. you know, a little bit later, uh, ended up going to St. Mary's. Yeah. Uh, shout out WCC. What? <laughs> Even though Gonzaga just washed St. Mary's the other night. That's nothing to brag about. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, St. Mary's was ranked 11. Gonzaga was number okay. 12. <clears throat> okay. Anyway. And they're the longest win streak in the country at 19. Gonzaga snapped it. Okay. Chumps. Anyway. Uh, so... <laughs> Brian Coogler went to St. Mary's, you know, for a couple years, ended up going uh, to USC, you know, getting his film. Went to Sacramento, though, and played football. Sac right, State. yeah. Sacramento. And Sac then, State, the place where I used to play video games at when I was a kid. Really? <laughs> yeah. What, a little arcade. What? Oh, okay. I was like, what are you doing at yeah, Sac State? Was, my, we, we was, my mom worked by there. We'd go there and play video games. Sacramento State. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, then when he <clears throat> eventually graduated uh, from, from USC School of Cinematic Arts. Yeah. So he has not only the lived experience, he has the pedigree. Right. I mean, he went to formal film school Mm -hmm. and then with those tools, it was like, okay, let me work on the films that I can relate to. And he even talked about that in all of the press coverage for Black Panther. He was like, I wanted to be a part of this project so I could see people like me. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at Fruitvale Station... Just like you could see your cousins and everything mm-hmm. like that, like so could he, he could see the people that he grew up with. Right. That vision <clears throat> is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And his cinematographer for Fruitvale Station is Rachel Morrison. Yeah. 
who is the first African-American female to be nominated for Best Cinematography at the Oscars. So she is up this year for Mudbound. Right. So they started working together on that film. So many things from this first time feature length film director, Ryan Coogler, have been incredible. And the people that have come out of it, not mm-hmm. just Ryan Coogler, because it, it, it would be somewhat easy to be like, oh, well, of course, Ryan Coogler became you know, famous. He was the director. Michael B. Jordan had only been in a couple things before this. Mm-hmm. He was in Chronicle in 2012 the year before and then he did something else also he was on the wire i mean he's been he's a, he's been a working actor for a while but yeah. this was his first like huge breakout, like, breakout thing he was in yeah and since then he has been in all three of ryan coogler's movies right as a probably gonna be in the fourth i i would not doubt it but again it just shows no he's gonna be in the fourth <laughs> what have they already announced the fourth yeah they're working on this movie about the atlanta have you, did you know that story? The Atlanta testing scandal where they were, the, the teachers were were um, fabricating tests that kids were taking. Well, you don't know the story? I, I <clears throat> Yeah, pressure for funding. They were like lying about the standardized testing to say, look how well we're testing, let's get more funding. But oh, people, okay. What people don't realize is that people did real time behind it. It was like a racketeering charge. So you Jeez. got cats doing twenty years <laughs> behind it. Yeah, it's a cr- look it up. It's a crazy story. So they already so Coogler already announced it. That yeah, he, they say he probably, it, it's what Michael B. Jordan's supposed to be working on next. And okay, Coogler. Who knows if he's actually going to direct it or produce it? But it's one of his projects. But yeah, it's a crazy Sheesh. story. They really like okay lied and and it, what's funny is you know having friends who've worked in the, in the public school system here mm-hmm. it's not far-fetched that somebody would nope. like feel that pressure and say you know what i'm gonna do mm-hmm. i'm gonna make sure we get funding I'm gonna well especially sure. because not to get all super political but education is not really a priority these days no and i mean and i say these days even though that story that you were talking about was a while ago yeah Anybody in a school district that is not in a super affluent community yeah. and you need to show results. Yeah. You need to show, oh, no, our students are doing great. Please give us more money. Wow. That can yeah. motivate you to do some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy story. So look it up if you get a chance. But, yeah, it was, it was wild. Gotcha. Cool. So uh, while he was in film school, real quick, he did three short films. Yes. Uh, Locks. Fig and Gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Locks you can find on Vimeo. Mm-hmm. Fig and Gap are a little bit harder to find. Uh, but Locks, I mean, they're all short films, like right. six minutes each. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Locks is on Vimeo. Basically just a young man in Oakland, you know, with these long locks. Almost every character in this short film has locks. and he has Dreadlocks. Dreadlocks. Oh, right. so, oh, yeah. Sorry for... For the uninitiated. For some of my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> dreadlocks. Uh, dreadlocks. And he was just kind of going about his day. Mm-hmm. He keeps looking up at some things and like trying to, you're wondering what his decision is going to be. Mm. I'm, I mean, I'm going to spoil it. It is a six minute short six film, minute short film, but he ends up going to the barber and cutting off his locks. Mm. And you were wondering, okay, you know, what is the reason behind this? What is going on? He goes home mm-hmm. and either his daughter or little sister, it looks like is, currently going through cancer treatments and oh. her hair is completely gone right. so he sits down with her and he takes off his hoodie and you know they have this embrace super cute short film mm-hmm. and also impactful because you see him going through his day-to-day yeah. with everybody around him yeah 
also having locks. And so that symbol of this is the sacrifice I'm willing to make right. for the people in my life. Mm -hmm. So really cool. You can find on Vimeo fig and gap, like I said, a little bit harder to find. So with Fruitvale station, 2013, <laughs> going to wrap up on that. It won a lot of awards. <clears throat> it won a ton of awards. It won a ton of awards. And that was sort of the, the thing that sort of put him on the map. I it's, mean, you know, justifiably so. Cause I mean, again, the, the thing that you are left with when you are done with this movie, even if you're not, you know, in tears and you're not weeping, that is fine. You cannot ignore the impact this movie has on you. Like rarely when we come out of movies, but here's the thing, it may not be impactful for everybody. And I think it's impactful for people for, in different ways. True. And I don't think it necessarily impacts people. I think you can look at it as a beautiful film and great mm -hmm. storytelling and it not impact you in a way if that's not your experience or you don't think it's something that deserves <laughs> to be impacted. Like, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, there are people who have watched it and enjoyed it, enjoyed the filmmaking, but weren't impacted by it emotionally or at all. Well, those people are robots. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. Like, yeah. if that's not their experience, I can see them walking away saying, I didn't feel that same impact, but mm -hmm. I appreciated his filmmaking. Right. Which is like... When we have to give that quote directly after yeah. a screening, rarely do we not have much to say. Yeah. Usually, you know, we can, we, I mean, a group of us are all kind of standing around and we, you know, kind of bounce off of each other. But this one, yeah, just after watching this, you know, starts rolling credits and you, me, I guess I would just speak for myself. Mm -hmm. You just kind of sit there yeah. and you just have to let it just marinate right. uh, because yeah, it, it is a, it is a brutal story. But it was done in a beautiful way. Right. So, yeah, Fruitvale Station, incredible movie. Uh, currently, it holds a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I, don't know why I, people, I do not even... And I, I, I bring that up only because, A, I'm not a big fan of Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know why people um, quote the scores. I don't, I Met don't know Metacritic is a better, more balanced uh, scoring system. Yes. And currently, that one is at 85% on Rotten for Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Which is still super solid. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So moving on from Fruitvale Station, uh, Creed. Creed. In 2015. Yes, yes, yes. So since uh, I know you just introduced Fruitvale Station, but you are, of the two of us, the bigger Rocky aficionado. Why am I the only one in this room who appreciates Rocky? That's no, I said Rocky aficionado. It's weird I, to me. I love the Rocky <clears throat> movies. You have talked at length on multiple podcasts. I, I grew up watching Rocky. Mm -hmm. um, mostly a lot of Rocky 3 and 4. Right. Um, well, because those were closer to us. Yeah. So And way more ridiculous. <laughs> like over, over the top. Over the top. Um, but not to be confused with the film Over the Top. With Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone arm, arm wrestling. For the custody of his son. <laughs> which is so problematic. I wish they remade it. But he turns his hat around. That doesn't mean no, he means and business. And a truck station, underground arm wrestling. Oh, enough. So, yeah, <laughs> Creed is the seventh movie in the Rocky franchise. Okay, now, when I was just writing down my notes, my pre-production yeah. notes, and I was like, seventh? I was like, whoa, hold on. Okay, so there yeah. were the four. Yes. Rocky Balboa. Oh, you're skipping Rocky Five that we don't talk about. Okay, that was the thing. I was like, we don't what talk am about I Rocky missing? Because we don't talk about it. What was Rocky Five? We're, again, we don't talk about it. It is a movie. It exists. We don't really talk about it. <laughs> I seriously, like, it. when I was writing the stuff, and I was like, blah, blah, seventh. What were Wow. Yeah, we don't talk about Rocky Five. Okay. And then Rocky Balboa, and then Creed. And uh, Rocky Balboa is just rough. 
I mean, it's better than the other Rocky movie. We don't. Talk I got to look up Rocky Five no, real quick no, while you were talking no, because no, I'm like, no, I seriously don't. cannot remember it. No, you don't. Um, but uh, Creed is essentially it picks up um, years later, and Michael B. Jordan plays Adonis Creed, the mm-hmm. son of Apollo Creed, who decides he wants to go into boxing. That it's in his blood, and he ends up moving to Philly and trying to get Rocky to train him to be a fighter. Um, right and rocky being what i like about the film is they treat these characters like they're like they treat it's like a realized world with espn and all these other people and they're mm-hmm. treating it as if the rocky fights actually happened in real life and there were these hollowed fighters and mm-hmm. so when rocky comes out of retirement to to coach it's a thing and mm-hmm. there's a lot of eyeballs the on 30 for <laughs> like they were doing yeah. espn like yeah, all these sports specials, center yeah. 30 for so 30 like it was, <laughs> it was good it was good stuff um mm-hmm. And so it feels very realized. So then he trains Adonis to fight, and that's that's the storyline. And mm-hmm. we get uh, my boo Tessa Thompson shows up. Right. Everyone finally had eyeballs on her. I was annoyed at that because um, <laughs> before that she it was, was just just me. It was just and Damien. It was just me um. who, loved, who loved her. <laughs> now everyone's like, "Who's this girl on Creed?" Yeah, it's Tessa. Uh, she shows up. Mm-hmm. But one one thing I appreciate about the storyline for for Adonis that Coogler, who you know who co wrote it and directed it mm-hmm. is that Adonis starts from a place of privilege, right? He's yep. not, he's not like a poor Hollywood. kid who's mm-hmm. trying to like box it up. He's rich. He's got a job, mm-hmm. not rich, but definitely has money. Living uh, in, they're living in a very nice house. Yeah. I was like, uh, with his mom around mm-hmm. he, and Rashad. he decides to, to box mm-hmm. and sort of leaves this and is living like in this little apartment in Philly. Uh, you know when I knew the movie was going to be real? Mm. That scene in the trailer at the end where he's running down the street. Oh, and, and just kind of shouting? And there's people, and there's these Philly dudes behind him popping by. Oh, yeah. But that's what they do in mm-hmm. Philly. So it's like that's someone who understands the culture. The four, the ATVs and, 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 and stuff. And to put that in the film. Mm-hmm. Like this is what happens in Philly. And that's them showing love as he's running through the neighborhood. And I was like, that's a real thing. If you've ever been in, one of, in some of these sort of neighborhoods, People show love in different ways, mm-hmm. and that's the way they show love. Whether it's like you rolling by and people, you know, throw their hands up, mm-hmm. you know, peace sign. It depends on where you at. I, when I was young, when I would go to my, my cousin's house in Oakland, these old heads, man, just what's up, young blood from across the street. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, you just say hey, what's up and you keep it. I don't know these people, but that was yep. that was you knew you was love, you knew it was respect, and so to see that in, in this trailer, I was like, okay, they're really handling this property well. Um, and also this, this idea that there, I was like, there's got to be beef between him and Rocky because he feels like Rocky got his dad killed. <laughs> yeah. And they brought it up. Mm-hmm. It came up. Was that something that would come up? They're like, hey, man. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, and you again, my dad murdered. you spoke on, on the realness, like somebody watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, it has a little bit more polish than an obviously like, you know, biopic, but right. You could convince somebody that this is a biopic. <laughs> yeah, about a real boxer. Seriously, like I mean, yeah. and that was what blew me away. And the boxing scenes were shot so well <sighs> that I was really this. I mean, impressed after this movie. I mean, and I, Tim and I have done an, a complete episode about boxing films. Yeah, uh, from I think that was early. That was probably like yeah. episode twenty or something. <laughs> um, this is one of my favorite <laughs> boxing films of all time. Right. Not just because the boxing is great. The storyline is incredible. It felt grounded and real in a way that most boxing movies 
do not. Yeah. Most boxing movies we like because they're a little bit ridiculous and over yeah. over the top, like Rocky three and four. Right. This one, it was like this. This feels like a real story. It feels like an a, a huge thirty for thirty yeah. style for, or sixty for yeah. sixty type yeah. of production. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. There's that scene at the end, and Adonis is in his corner, and he's talking to Rocky about, and you realize what's been motivating this whole time. Mm-hmm. We had sort of this emotional moment of like, I want to know that this was whatever. You know, not spoil anyone who hasn't right. seen Creed yet, but but go watch Creed. And Come I was on. like, what? That's a real human moment in this mm-hmm. sort of like apex part of the story where it's like here's like this final round of boxing that they're gonna have to go to mm-hmm. and he's, he's got he's got to find something in him and it was a, that was often the thing in rocky where rocky you know storing haymakers and then at the end he has to you know that he has to find something except through all six of rocky balboa's movies because yeah. creed is the seventh through all six Rocky never learns how to fight. Yeah, he never changed his fighting style. Never. Like he gets, he gets <laughs> beat by Clever Lang, and he does all this training, comes back, and he fights the same. Exactly the same. He just lands more punches. <laughs> like, like, oh, you haven't changed anything, Rocky? You're still throwing these wild haymakers. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was something that was impressive about Creed is right. you see in the beginning, everybody calls him, you know, they're like, oh, blah, blah. He, comes oh, he gets knocked out by he, Andre Ward. He thinks he is just <laughs> hot of that. And he was like, man, he was like, whoever can land a punch on me, I'll give him my Mustang. Yeah. Blah blah, and, he and they're rocked. and they're like, you you don't want to do that, you know. This guy comes up, Andre Watson, and they're like, <laughs> and the way that when a real like a legitimate boxer appeared in the frame of yeah. the movie and would show their stats on the side of the screen, I was like, this is on ESPN, like this yeah. should be on ESPN. Yeah, yeah, blew me away. Yeah, he got knocked out early oh, in that movie. God. I was like, that's what we're having in real life. Exactly. I was at a barbershop once. You know, old black men in barbershop tell stories, man. <laughs> yeah. Old head was in there like, yeah, man, I got. I got knocked out by Cassius Clay. Okay. I said, what? He was like, yeah. <laughs> no, real talk. He said, early on, um, he was boxing. He was at something, and this young dude comes in there, mm-hmm. and his name is Cassius, and he want to box. He's like, oh, mm. I'm going to knock him out. Mm-mm. He said, man, I did not see the punch. <laughs> We're in the ring. We're boxing. Next thing you know, they're helping me off the mat. And he was like, what happened? And mm-hmm. it was like, <laughs> you got knocked out. Mm-hmm. He was like, what? He's like, yeah. He was like, that's, that's what I knew. That's what I knew. Who's going to be Muhammad Ali? I was like, bro, you didn't know. Like, you just got knocked out by a young kid. But he's an old head, man, telling mm-hmm. these old head stories about getting knocked out. Um, and it was funny, but you hear those kind of stories in a barbershop. But yeah, he got knocked yeah. out. Um, well, like as a lifetime fight fan, lifelong fight fan, boxing and then transitioning to like MMA and everything. Right. It is always crazy when after somebody gets knocked smooth out, right. like done. And after the fight, they're like, so what do you think went wrong? And he was like, oh, uh, what? Uh, yeah. What hit me? Because they don't know. When your brain is like, yeah. you don't need to remember the last 60 seconds of right. your life. Because oftentimes people, people people really don't know. If you're ever yeah, watching absolutely. a fight and you'll see when someone gets knocked out, when they come in the ring, they usually are saying what happened. Because mm-hmm. they don't yeah. know what happened. They're unaware that they got knocked out. Um, <laughs> what is crazy in, in the UFC, it happens, I mean, more frequently in the UFC uh, just because of the nature of of the sport, but after somebody gets knocked out or submitted and the ref will, you know, pull them right. off, come over to them. And there's this moment where the ref has to kind of like hold them and basically be like, everything is okay. Like you are alive. Right. Like, every, cause you see their eyes and they're just like, yeah. they have no idea where they are, who they are. Nope. It yeah. is pretty crazy. So that happens to Adonis yeah. Creed early, early, early in, in this film. film. And then he was like, yeah. Okay, I should but probably he, learn. He gets trained. He gets trained. Yeah. Uh, and well. he changes his style. Although, one of my biggest gripes with this movie, 
I don't know. It was how out of shape the other boxer was? Seriously. <laughs> you <laughs> had everyone's doughboy up there. It's everyone's biggest gripe. Because I'm like, okay. Like, Michael B. Jordan's ripped. Dude, he gets cut out and of this, wood. And then he's fighting somebody. The the previous <laughs> champ, blah, 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 this like just doughboy European English dude. Right. How did, okay. If I get the call being like, you are going to be in a boxing movie, we, you know, to six months from now, three weeks out. If I'm looking like that, I'm like, okay, I got to do some work. Maybe they, maybe they mm-hmm. had a guy and he couldn't do nope. something. Yep. It, and, and they couldn't. <laughs> had to get another guy last minute. I I do not believe that at all. Why it not? Just like, oh god, it, why, that, why is that? Why is that not believable? Because they had a guy who couldn't do what they needed, and they were like, we need to knock these things out. I'm going to write we've, Ryan Coogler right now and find out. <laughs> we've got to we've got to find a guy. Yeah, I guess, but it just like. That's what happens all the time in movies. Like we thought, I was watching this thing and they they were casting this kid and he couldn't swim, but it called for him to swim in the movie. So all hmm. this casting, they get a guy to get this kid in the water and he can't swim. Hmm. They're like, did anyone ask him that he could swim? See now, if I were Charlemagne yeah. and this was the Breakfast Club, I would use one of his segments uh, to ask about that actor and the inability to swim. Some people, uh, <laughs> some people can't. Like you know, so there, a lot of things happen in production wise. I'm not blaming him for having a little old boy. But I'm excited to see Creed 2, which will reportedly leave him fighting Ivan Drago's kid. Okay, and again, I've been on 100,000%. 100, I actually joked when I watched it, I was like, man, it would be dope if Ivan Drago's kid was mm-hmm. in the crowd watching or Clever Link's kid was in the crowd watching. Well, and not only is that going to happen, but when you see Dolph Lundgren, yeah. like, check out his Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he is going to be in it, like, as an actual, you know, person. Yeah. That guy looks incredible also. Oh, yeah, he stays in incredible shape. <laughs> Just like, and he is a so, legitimate no, genius. I say, he's a real, he's genius in a real life badass, like, for real. Two advanced degrees, like PhD was, level uh, degrees. There like, was like a story, uh, his house had got robbed. Mm-hmm. And Why would you do that? Yeah, they didn't <laughs> Just, know it was his house. And then uh, they saw pictures of him, and then they put the stuff back. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's a real, it was like a GQ really? article. Yeah, it was like GQ or Men's Journal. It's about him, sort of his journey. And <laughs> wow. the, the article was really about how he makes this money doing these straight to DVD projects yep. overseas, and they make a he makes a living every year just shoot, shooting mm-hmm. these like direct to video, direct to online, yep. streaming movies for dirt. I mean, and so they make for dirt, and they make a bunch of money. And he was like, so that's been his process, but. So seeing him in Creed is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Their ability, Kugler and his company's ability to re- to incorporate Rocky and sort of infuse it with a new blood. But Kugler is not directing. No, this no, I'm talking about nervous. No, it doesn't. <clears throat> his his buddy's directing it. So I'm not nervous at all. I thought Sylvester Stallone was directing <clears throat> it. No, he's not directing it. He said he was directing he's, it. Sylvester Stallone is not directing that movie. Okay, <laughs> not at all. Uh, all right. I mean, hey, you know. No, no, it's Kugler. I think the guy who who worked on Creed as well is directing it. Aaron Covington. No, Aaron Covington was the co-writer. Yeah, but it might be him. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so. I know that they they grew up together and like they yeah they worked together he, before. Someone that's close to Kugler's work. Okay, it's not him. But um, but in, in Creed, mm-hmm. Kugler's ability to in, sort of infuse new blood into the story was really needed and necessary, and it felt really up to date. Yeah, and much like Fruitvale, it felt very grounded. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a blockbuster movie that felt grounded. And I think people went in with like low expectations because we <clears throat> our last two Rocky movies have been like. Ugh. Oh, you mean Rocky Five, which is <clears throat> reluctantly retired from boxing and back nope. from rags to riches. Rocky takes on a new protege who betrays him as the champ's son must adjust to his family's new life after bankruptcy. If you're watching this movie, you're doing it to yourself. I have never. No, I, like, I told you not to. I completely forgot about that movie. Yeah, there's a reason. 1990. There's a reason you forgot about it. Wow. It is not worth your time. 
that don't read about it don't watch it don't watch the trailer don't Try think about not it to read it right now. okay just pretend <laughs> it was rocky four rocky balboa <laughs> right. and then creed and then creed two okay yeah so just i don't know kugler's the two things that sort of tied up for me was his ability to do both those things mm-hmm. in, in these movies make them feel grounded give you real characters give you some insight give you characters with depth in these stories that sometimes miss those things and mm-hmm. they, they focus on as Creed would have been the spectacle of a sports movie in yep. Fruitvale Station it would have been sort of you know profiting on someone's death and he avoids all those sort of tropes to, to tell these really well made stories that are about people and, and what people go through mm-hmm and both of them, you can tell from the beginning of the films, it is the same director. Yeah. Like, even though his his technical ability changes mm-hmm. and, I mean, doing fight choreography is tough. Shooting fight choreography is tough. Mm-hmm. Making it feel like you are in the ring mm-hmm. as the fight. Like, yeah. and so, he, I mean, he, he learns and he grows every time. Yeah. But that baseline, that tone, that feeling is is there in both the both of those two. With Black Panther, so far, everything we have seen has I mean, it has that feeling, but again, now he just has more tools in his toolbox. Right. Which it is amazing to me. After two feature length films and a bunch of accolades, Kevin Feige and Marvel. When they were doing all these choices for Black Panther, they knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. They made the right move, and they were like, for a story like this. That's surprising to you? No, no, that wasn't what I'm saying. Like, it is amazing that they, I mean, again, we we try not to, I try I not to bash I on. I don't think it's amazing. I think that's that's where they're headed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'd be surprised if they didn't. Well, I'm saying. Because they, they initially went after Ava DuVernay. Right. And she, they couldn't come to terms. And they were like, Disney was like, well, well, let's keep you around in case we want to use you for some other stuff, mm-hmm. which they are. <laughs> Another and, giant and movie. <laughs> maybe she lobs Coogler's name out there like, you might want to talk to Coogler. And mm-hmm. they figured out how to tell that story. How can I tell this story? And this is what we want to do. This is what I want to do. All right, then it's a good pairing and let's go. Mm-hmm. That's sort of been their motto. Same with Taka Watiti. Like, yeah. We want to. I want to do. We want to do a Thor movie. Are you interested in doing the Thor movie? All right. Here's some, here's some ideas I have. Okay. If you can tell it in this context, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Which the Marvel method, which they've talked about the Marvel method. I mean, comics since the '60s. Right. This current Marvel method for the cinematic universe is okay. Director, this is where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. This is the world it takes place in. What is your vision? What is your input? How do you want to tell your story in the context of this? It reminds me of sort of, of, of improv, right? Right. Here, here's something exactly. we're doing, right? Like how they shoot Curb Enthusiasm. All right, in the scene, Larry David needs to get an argument and and up about these shoes, and he needs to leave and head to to meet up with with somebody else, right? Yeah, sure. But now, what happens in these <laughs> moments mm-hmm. is is you. Yeah. But these four points need to right. happen, and we need to get from here to here so that the scene. Can wrap up in here, right? Because that's that's part of them telling this longer story, which we'll see in, in Infinity Wars, where mm-hmm. you know these little things need to happen because it's going to lead to this thing that we're doing, um, and it's what other people are missing, but it's yep. it's what they're doing, and so uh, them choosing Coogler wasn't a surprise for me. And I, yeah, I, I don't say it was surprising. I say I was just saying it is amazing that they have the foresight to do things like this, where it's like, okay, this story. Mm-hmm. Is a certain tone. Mm-hmm. 
who can we find to best fit that tone that would also fit within this world? I don't know if the tone comes from Marvel. Really? I th- More so than the director. Right? Well, yeah. The, the story and what we need to tell, I think, mm-hmm. comes from Marvel, but how it's told and the tone. Like, like I don't know if the tone of Thor Ragnarok, it comes from Marvel. That's Taika Waititi and him just True. being funny. I guess Ant-Man was the one where they were like, whatever tone they initially had. With Edgar Wright, it just wasn't Edgar, working. Yeah, you know, they had to make some changes. Uh, right. And change directors, right? So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, it like, still... like the Russos coming in and doing like, there's a tone to their film. To, to, right. That's the Winter Soldier and Civil War. That's different than the other Marvel movies, for sure. Um, the story is Marvel and very much Marvel Studios and what they mm-hmm. want to do. And Kevin Feige and his vision, but the tone of the film, because that's the spy film. We're watching a spy film with Winter right. Soldier, um, which was totally different than anything they'd ever done, mm-hmm. and one of my favorites that, that, that they've ever done. Um, so I don't know if the tone comes from Marvel. Um, but I think the what they want to do with it, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure we'll get an Infinity Stone and we'll get these other things. Yeah. There's little Easter eggs. But, you know, totally, I think that's Kugler and his team and the people he's brought on, whether it be the, the costume design, which mm-hmm. I know you love, which you're probably oh going to drool the whole time. The, um, I mean, just from what people design. have, just from what we have seen, and I know yeah. that, I'm not sure if you have watched all of them like I have, like, they keep dropping like two to three minute behind the scenes stuff. They did one just on the costuming. They did right. just one on the world building. Right. I yeah, mean. but all, all of that is 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 a vision that comes from you know a certain place and mm-hmm. allowing people to sort of live out that vision. Like there was that story about Wesley Snipes possibly doing a, a, a Black Panther movie years ago, and I don't know if we could have done it. I I think I don't know if it could have. Mm. I don't know what it would have been. I was gonna say I I think they because I, I don't know I, I don't, think they could have. I don't know if the they know how time. to, but that was the real time where they didn't know how to make these type of movies. Exactly. Like Wakanda so would we not, that? yeah, w- Wakanda like would have looked, it would, look, it would look like Japan. Yeah. Neo Tokyo yeah, style. It would have looked like that. It wouldn't look, I don't know if, you know, I don't think it would be completely unique mm-hmm. like what we, and again, we have not seen it yet, but so far what we have seen of Wakanda right. is of this Afrofuturism that has all this technology, has right. all of this wealth at the same time has the roots of right. ancient civilizations in the middle of it. And also, I think that there's a piece of the filmmaking that allows you to be sort of entrenched in Africanism and, and culture mm-hmm. that I don't know if you could have done then without notes from the studio saying that's probably a little too black or that's a little too... Yeah, black. a you few, know, a few years ago, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But now I think <laughs> we're in a space where people are embracing it more and understanding that there's a need mm-hmm. for for diverse storytelling and diverse ideas and diverse visions and seeing, and even the women and like, Oh my God, the Dormelaji, like them being front and center. Mm-hmm. Right. That may not be the case. It's probably like, Oh no. Yeah. The Dormelaji here, years ago? And it's, uh-uh. <laughs> it's just, it's all about black Panther running around and yeah. not about sort of this family, his and, sister who is, and they they put this claim out there, not claim, they established it that She's his his little sister smart. Shuri smart is the world. smartest person in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. So that I mean, Tony Stark is not going to be in this movie. Thank goodness. At least, I mean, as far as we know, yeah. maybe some Easter egg that leads into Infinity War. Who knows? But Tony Stark, so far in all of these movies, Tony Stark and Bruce Banner have been the smartest. Have been the smartest. Here comes this young African woman. Yeah. Who was like, no. <laughs> yeah. So that is going to be incredible. There was an article about not just the costuming, but the hair mm-hmm. and how 
much they focused on almost all the characters have natural hair. Yeah. Like, again, these are the things that they are doing, the levels at which they are. I don't know if that happens with Wesley's movie. No. <laughs> don't, I don't think <laughs> no. it happens. And I don't think, I don't, and that's no, no knock to Wesley. I don't think that there was space to do it. Mm-mm. I think this is 2018 right now. Yeah. Is one of the only times that we could have a Black Panther movie this respectful. Right. The fact that before people even saw it, we're championing it, you know, and they were just like, okay, this looks real. Uh, I was still nervous, though. I was nervous when he popped up in Civil War. I remember being nervous, like, they, they better nail this character right. Like, because they don't. I don't know. It, it I don't, is, I don't know gone. what happens. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, the diversity in these movies is gone. I don't know what happens. I don't know, but they they knocked it out the park. Mm-hmm. Well, and Chadwick intentionally studied dialects mm-hmm. that were n- from non-colonized countries. Right. I mean, yeah. And Chadwick was a good choice. He was a great choice. Yes. So you know they you know they continue their ability to you know cast well, whether it be Chadwick and and Panther and you know Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. um, Killmonger, yeah. Yeah, or you know, Denai Guerrero, who's who's in there, mm-hmm. and Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. It's a really great cast. Forrest Whitaker, Dana yeah. Kaluuya's in it. Angela Bassett, Angela Bassett's in it. Um, I mean, it top to bottom. Latita Wright, who plays Shuri, is in it. Who we just saw? That was, yeah, Latita Wright. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was also in something else recently. The and commuter, was, the commuter, the hoodie on her head. I was like, and she, almost unrecognizable. Yeah, it's like a spit roll too. She's in there for like thirty seconds. She's Which like always finds out. me. Find, I always find that fascinating because it's like, okay, your agent gives you. <laughs> gives it's probably role. a longer role that they had to cut down. Maybe, but even so, like, it, it, even if imagine it, you shoot all these scenes with this person. They're talking to other people, and she's dealing with whoever, and she's supposed to go speak with Liam Neeson. And they get to cut him forth. Like, you know, we need to cut all of this. I, was gonna say, I have a hard and just have her run up on the train. I have a hard time thinking that movie had much cut from it. But no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I could, it, it didn't feel super chopped up to you. Well, of course it did, but also like I chalked that up to just bad filmmaking. Nah, there's like a whole backstory with, you know, the people on who are sort of the puppet masters in this whole thing that sort of... Yeah, it just... That, all of it's off screen. We don't see any of it off no. screen. <laughs> no, no. I imagine they probably shot some of it. Yeah, but I mean, so she... Her star is definitely yeah, rising. she had that great Black Mirror episode. One of my favorites. Yeah. Great. So, uh, yeah, so with, with Black Panther, uh, trying to think if this would be... Actually, before we cut to our future selves oh okay what is something or maybe two things okay. that you want out of your black panther experience i want and i feel like i've already know we've got it just a very <laughs> realized villain and killmonger mm-hmm. okay and i want some pretty cool flashbacks to wakanda flashbacks mm-hmm. like it the ancient history of wakanda yeah just like his father and you know okay that's what I want. T'Chaka. T'Chaka. Okay. I want to see that. Okay. Uh, with me, one of the things that, like, my, my guilty pleasure thing that mm-hmm. I know we're not going to quite see, uh, Andy Serkis playing Ulysses Claw. In the comics, he had this basically satellite dish type thing on his hand. Yeah. I know he has a version of that. Yeah. Kind of weapon. Hand. Yeah. yeah he, well, he has a whole fake arm type situation. <sighs> Marvel is smart. And they, they find ways to incorporate those aspects of the comic book character in a realistic way. Part of me still kind of wants to see like a big, dumb satellite thing. Like maybe the first version he gets of that weapon. But that is just kind of a side They're thing. They're not going to do that. Probably, <laughs> probably not. But the no, main sorry. thing 
the main things that I that I want to see. Mm-hmm. I want to see, and we have already kind of seen it, but the strength of these women, the strength of how much this film is going to center on the women in positions of power, both Angela Bassett being queen, but also his sister mm-hmm. and the Dora Malaysia, like seeing them. And like we kind of touched on a few years ago, they would have been side characters. Yeah. They maybe get a couple minutes from what we have seen so far. It looks like they play a big role. I really want to see how that develops. Yeah. So that is exciting to me. Uh, the other thing I want to see where this build and where it takes Wakanda from here. Now that people know about it, because mm-hmm. Black Panther, when he appeared in Civil War, people were still thinking, oh, Wakanda is this third world country because that is what they well, it want to. depends on who knows about it. Exactly. So I want to see kind of if it becomes more well known or going into Infinity War, if they're like... Clearly all there in Infinity Wars. Yeah. For a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I want to see kind of who finds out where it goes because... Yeah, what kind of Thanos shows up? Oof. We know that happens. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right. So at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to travel to the future, and yes, the audio quality is going to change a little bit yes. because we have to rely on other technologies. For uh, Tim will not be in studio. No, I will not. Uh, but yeah, so we will talk about Black Panther and give it our full review and rating. So, uh, do you have anything to say to your? future self no <laughs> i wonder if you cried during black panther is what i want to know Ooh, we will ask tim <laughs> when, when we get back from the future did you cry did you cry did you have a single tear <laughs> uh all right cool so uh this will be jumping forward to our black panther discussion we're now talking to ourselves in the past <laughs> right. in, in the far-flung past of, of two days ago all right so we had our screening today. Yes. It was this morning. It was a morning screening. Of Black Panther. At Cinerama. At Cinerama, one of the best theaters in Seattle. Shout out to them. Uh, Phil and his crew are, are awesome over there. So, <laughs> I'm trying to think of where to even start. What, what was your... The movie ends, what were the, the first thoughts you had as it ended? Well, the first thing I thought, as it ended, first thing, uh, there are two post-credit scenes. Okay. Uh, which people should be used to by now at mid-credits and a post-post-credits scene. Mm-hmm. So there are two of those. So unfortunately, my first thought was both of the post-credit scenes were kind of weak. They, they didn't really do as much as the other scenes did. So then immediately, I kind of forgot about those and then just started thinking about the movie again. Right. Yeah, I never really... I mean, the post-credits scenes could be great. I never mm-hmm. expect too much from them. When they're really good, I'm surprised. For right. the most part, I think it's going to try to tie in some other stuff. It's going to be... <clears throat> some weird puzzle piece that fits into some other thing so yeah. i've never really stressed too much about it but yeah. my first thought was i can't believe marvel made a movie like this absolutely my agree. very first thought was i can't believe they actually did it like some of the some of the dialogue that happens in the film uh the themes of the story mm-hmm. um how they've shown wakanda um killmonger as a character all these things i didn't really expect and yeah, it sort of so it, that surprised me because I, you know, I was just telling someone earlier like I liked the movie for reasons I didn't think I would like them. Like I thought I liked the movie, but not mm-hmm. for when you watch the trailer, you think, oh, I'm gonna like this action and this cool villain and Black Panther doing Black Panther stuff. Yeah. But when I watched the film, it was much more the themes of the story, uh, the actual storyline they're telling, 
um, and just the idea of being a new king and what that means, like what that means for him. And all of the motivations, and this is something that we have talked about before right. with all of the Marvel movies. Right. A lot of the times, the motivations never really line up. Or there are too many motivations and they just aren't... I don't make, know if they don't line up. I just think they're very skeleton kind of... Yeah, like they're, very they're, they're not really fleshed out. Like generic motivations. Like, I want to rule the world. Okay. Right. And it's just like... And so we talked about it right after the film. Starting with Iron Man in this new wave of Marvel movies, Iron Monger kind of just wanted the company. I was like, okay. okay. Iron Man 2, Whiplash, just wanted revenge. Wanted revenge. And all, so all of them are just kind of cookie-cutter motivations, whereas this one, every single character motivation made sense. Right. You start to, and you put it in a great way after the movie, you're like, Killmonger kind of has some Magneto feelings, because at some <laughs> yeah. point, when you're watching the X-Men movies or reading the X-Men comics, and right. you're like, okay, yeah, Magneto is crazy, but is he wrong? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, those types of motivations where... The, the villain, the quote-unquote villain, Killmonger, has it. T'Challa has his own motivations of still wanting to be respectful of his tribe and not expose the outside world and do all of those things. But those motivations, all of them made right. sense from top to bottom. Yeah. So, And even the characters that we did not think we were going to get to know very well mm-hmm. are fleshed out. The supporting characters in this movie... Right. Like Manape, or he's not called Manape, but Mubaku. Mm-hmm. He made sense. He had a full storyline that we right. know of in this, in the time that we got him. Yeah, everything made sense. Right, right, right. Yeah, and it, I and, and we were worried about kind of that like first fa- phase one Marvel type thing right. when we were like, okay, so he Killmonger ends up with the same powers as he does. We have seen this before over and over. Yeah. It was not that. No, that that was sort of this sort of side story of it mm-hmm. all like like why killmonger shows up what he wants why he wants it and even not even and even t'challa's side is like what's now that this world around them is so wakanda takes place in the mcu that we've seen for the last 10 years right right so now that the world around them is changing what is wakanda's place in that mm-hmm. having vibranium having resources do we continue or is, is our continuing is, is wakanda's sort of ability to sort of hide in the shadows the reason why we have these issues could we have avoided them like it's all these questions that i think t'challa has thought about and this movie sort of brings them out of his character um yeah and i thought that was a a fantastic way to sort of position him Mm -hmm. because once i heard the movie was taking place mostly in wakanda i was like well then what's the story gonna be yeah and it's about wakanda it is yeah about wakanda and those ideas of our nation is solid we are good we have money we have resources we have food yeah everything multiple characters bring it up to T'Challa yeah. being like there are people in the next country over yeah. <laughs> that do not have what we have we could help them right. why are we not right and that conflict both with inside of T'Challa and inside of Wakanda being mm-hmm. like well should we do we need to do we want mm-hmm. to what would that mean if we did it right and you get answers right to all of those it is not just bringing stuff up and being like yeah Oh, okay. Well, those characters are conflicted, and we never really get yeah. a resolution. Even that scene with Naboju, is Naboju, um, Daniel Kaluuya's character. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. When they're when they're talking, I might be. Or uh, no, uh, that one is a different. Yeah, character, whatever. But yeah. yeah, but anyway, so he's talking, and they're talking about, and T'Challa sort of like 
bouncing ideas off of him. And he's mm-hmm. like, hey, if we bring refugees in here, they're going to bring their problems too. And we don't want to yeah. deal with those problems. And that was sort of his answer to it. Like, we can't do this because it's going to mess up what we have. So we've got to like be chill about it. Which was a fascinating look at, you know, colonialism and nationalism and even even this idea now right that we deal with our country right yeah this immigration is a big topic and to see that approach in the film the idea of like well if we bring in these immigrants and we solve their and we with their problems what happens to us Mm -hmm. does it change the fabric of who we are as a nation or can we assist them and help them since we do have the resources that's something that while still keeping our cultural identity identity. Mm -hmm. and that's something that you know America is dealing with literally right now. Like that's something that's people are arguing <laughs> yeah. about and, and and having political debates about. And to see it flushed out in a comic book movie was fascinating. And I mean, to go back of what you said earlier, that you were surprised that Marvel made a movie like this. Yeah, I was super surprised. When we think about Thor Ragnarok right. and how impressed we were with the cultural things that Taika Waititi was able to put in there. Yeah. But he had to make it subversive. Mm-hmm. Until you read the articles or read listened to interviews with him not many people were picking up the Maori influences yeah. and all of the cultural stuff because as important as it was to him, he had, he knew he was like, I need to kind of ease into it. This movie. And you hate the term not hate the term. I do hate the term. Okay. You hate the term, but this movie, and I will say it and I believe it, it is unapologetic in its blackness. But I think that's different because I think what's different than that. Thor, Thor Ragnarok is Thor Ragnarok takes place on a different world. Right. Where, as in Wakanda takes place in Africa, so it's easy mm-hmm. for, for you know, all these people making the film and their whole team to say, we're going to put all this African influence yeah. in here, characters, um, language, symbols, culture, clothing, right music. Right there, front and center. They're able to do that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really, you know, it's hard to compare to something like Thor Ragnarok, which is like, if you're, if you're in some mythical space planet that has like wormholes surrounding it right it's probably hard to say guess what this is also new zealand as well right like that that would be weird so mm-hmm. i, I could see why what taco Waititi would have to sort of like sneak these things in right uh and, and to show love and respect for his country but yeah the, their wakanda's ability to sort of put that stuff front and center made for an interesting thing it's more than just like what you see physically there's like that dr- the drum score that keeps showing up. This oh is my like gosh! The, the, played in the, the under the underlying. So the soundtrack has been out for a few days. Yeah. Some people love it. Some people are I not so it. hot on it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan. Shout out to Damien. He is not a big fan of it. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan. But yeah. You know, but so the soundtrack is one thing. Right. The score for this movie is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, there will be times when it is like big orchestral right. scenes, sweeping montages. Sure. But then, like in the back of the theater, just kind of rolls in. Yeah. This drum beat. Yeah. I mean, it was it just embraces you mm-hmm. in that moment, and it was it was incredible. Uh, I definitely want to shout out a few people uh, that were like part of the production of it. Okay. Before we talk about some of the actor portrayals. Okay. So Rachel Morrison, who we talked about before. Yes. Uh, she was the director of photography for this. She was also in Fruitvale Station. She is currently up for an Academy Award for cinematography for Mudbound. She was director of photography for Fruitvale Station. Uh, she was a cinematographer for Fruitvale. She was, she was DP for <laughs> right. She was DP for right. Black Panther. Got you. So she was phenomenal. Ruth Carter yes. did the costume. We know how much you love costumes. I love costumes. This is all. I mean, yes, it is February. This is my lock for best costume right. because it is early. It, this is going to be tough to beat because not only At is least it get nominated. Oh, yeah. It needs to be nominated. Definitely has to be nominated. 
because it is not just the diversity in the cast that we see. All of the tribes have so many different looks and Very feels, and it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Basoto tribe, like they, uh, that is actually where Ruth Carter's, like some of her lineage comes from. So the blankets that then yeah. have their own shields. I was not going to say, but yeah, I the mean, shields. like, yeah. That was, and it was towards the end of the movie where more things keep coming up, and that was phenomenal. Yeah. And also, I, I really enjoyed their use of vibranium. It wasn't yeah. just like metal suits. It was like, yeah, we we and Shiri does a good job explaining it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we use it for all kind of stuff. And why would you not? Like you, you have this yeah. metal or this alloy that you are able to do a bunch of stuff with, and you have had it for millennia. Yeah, you are not just going to make. Hey, look at the sweet axe that I have. You are going to find ways to incorporate it. Right. and everything else so ruth carter that was great i mean like there were so many talented women behind the scenes right and then in the movie mm-hmm. these women were incredible right the cast in general top to bottom was impressive, impressive yeah the strength and agency of the women that were in this film mm-hmm. it, was I, good. It, was, it, it was good to see it, it, it's a reminder i mean like we saw a quick glimpse of it in Captain America Civil mm-hmm. War, <laughs> um, when one of the Dormelage gets into a, a quick tiff with Black Widow, right? But that sort of their sort of attitude and their ability and their their commitment to protecting the throne and protecting Black mm-hmm. Panther is seen throughout the film. And then you've got um, Lupita Nyong'o's character, who's a war yeah. dog, who has seen some things and has strong ideas about what should happen. Mm-hmm. But also, they're all none of the women run from the fight. Yeah. They're all exactly. like, all right, it's time to... They want to be there, like, mm-hmm. next to the child. Like, no, we're here with you. Let's... Shuri gets upset at one point yeah. when she thinks she is not going to be involved yeah. until he was like, you're going to be my eyes and ears. And she was like, yes. Yes. Because, I mean, again, he is yeah. surrounded by powerful women, both yeah. as his personal security guards, but also his sister, his mother, his, his, mother, his ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all of these women, just like any good manager, leader, whatever... Mm-hmm recognize the strengths that are around you and use them to the best of your ability right so he recognizes that multiple times yeah i knew what kind of movie we were getting at the beginning when it's his coronation and the, you know there's a yeah got a fight to, to be the black panther so they're going mm-hmm. through these different tribes asking if anyone has someone that they're bringing yep. uh that was an amazing scene that whole that was I mean, amazing <laughs> i was like this is crazy and as soon as they that was one where so it is that was where it led from a sweeping orchestral score yeah into tribal drums yeah i was done yeah like it was i was like oh this is the, they're doing this in the movie mm-hmm. okay fine this is what we're doing yeah but even the opening sequence where we get we, we learned some history mm-hmm. was like oh this is what we're doing this too we're doing this opening sequence and as soon as they started and it goes in like father and son type stuff and i was like here we go yeah i was like okay so yeah. <laughs> t minus 30 seconds until i started tearing yeah. up but it was good i mean they, they were there was a moment towards the end where I got a little choked up. Mm-hmm. I think that was it was at the very end, the, like yeah. that final scene. Um, without spoiling, we'll, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was like, this is why I was so excited to see this movie. Like, this mm-hmm. is it was that moment of like, okay, this is we're doing this. This is a thing that's happening. This is a character who's going to be around for a while. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautifully made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to again the the Dora Malaje, yeah. all of the women. We got to know a couple of them, you know, not as many as you right. know as, as we could have. Uh, but Denai Guerrera, 
she was great. Latita Wright, you mentioned as Shuri. Yeah. Again, the, that was the other thing that surprised me with this as a Marvel movie. Right. As a Marvel movie, typically we get some side characters. We get some people that are just there to fill up space. Nobody was wasted in this movie. No. Like, not a character was wasted. There were no real wasted moments. Yeah. Like, it's paced super well. Like, every scene. It's not like, oh, we didn't need that scene. Yeah. Coming out of it, when, again, we have to give the quote to the studio rep, like, right away, Dan and I are are both like, this is near the top. I mean, like, we still have to sit on it a couple days. Like, we literally just had a couple hours ago. Like, as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, this is going to be tough to beat. Right. Well, of all their movies, I think Cap... I think Captain America Winter Soldier is my favorite and that's the one I've watched the most I mm-hmm. recently, I watched it like last week right as well. what is on Netflix now and you can just put it on which is awesome I will say so my immediate like hour few hours reaction is I like the action in, in Winter Soldier better okay but I thought the story in Black Panther was much more compelling I and definitely a much see that. more compelling villain even and I love Bucky as like a Terminator type mm-hmm. But I thought I liked Killmonger's approach and this philosophy, this sort of philosophy, philosophy <laughs> of like what you should do and what you which mm-hmm. what you could do versus what you should do. Yeah. Um, that sort of like wraps around the what whole you want to do versus what, what you, you need to do. To do. To, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. This sort of wraps around the whole movie and is a sort of theme that comes up through all these different characters and they're yep. all st- having the same sort of struggle with their identity personally and then Wakanda's identity as a country. Um, I thought that was beautiful, and I we don't see really much that many complex stories um, mm-hmm. politically in comic book movies. Like that's rare. This has so many political, yeah, not even undertones, no. overtones, yeah, to things that are going on right now. And it doesn't feel forced. Like oh, they're shoving exactly. I, I think walking out, I remember thinking like people will have a problem because there's not some big. The final fight, obviously, it's not a spoiler. If you watch this movie, the final fight between Killmonger and Black Panther isn't mm-hmm. this pinnacle fight that you like that you normally see in these movies. Mm-hmm. It's the moments after the end of the fight right. that are touching. That you're like, that's the thing. Like, it's not the fight. It's not mm-hmm. these two guys in, in their Panther suits squaring off, right. fighting. Then you see these clips in the trailer. It's not that. It's that it's the moment after the fight mm-hmm. where you see these two men having a conversation that's th- that's that's the moment yep. and i was like okay well that's the moment and i think you know we were talking to someone earlier who was just like oh it wasn't as hype as i thought it was and i was like well i think it's i think it's that moment i think it's yeah. people want that a different kind of moment than what the movie delivers yeah, and because the moment, I mean, a moment that i was like yeah this is mm-hmm. yeah the fight choreography is going to be the fight choreography sure what does it mean? How does it make you feel? How does it, so those moments after that big thing? Yeah, like I said, that is what that's the moment what matters. And it, and it's not it's Killmonger's moment. Mm-hmm. It's not T'Challa's moment. He's the, mm-hmm. he's, the, he's the hero. <laughs> of the it's Killmonger's moment to discuss how he's feeling. And I yep. thought that was a smart way because most times they don't really let the villains shine too much. He has plenty of moments to shine. He and again. He really is it the star made, of the movie. Oof. <laughs> like, Michael B. Jordan. And the thing is, Michael B. Jordan needs a movie like this that a lot more people are going to see. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Chadwick Boseman because he has been every biographical yeah. black man in America's history. Right. Michael B. Jordan is still not quite on the level where he is known by a lot of people. Creed is phenomenal. Not I mean, many he's people known by saw. a lot of people. I just think we've seen... I but mean, as a star. 
Like, I mean, I think Creed may have been that for him. And Fru- first of all, he, Fruverell was that. And then Creed put him like he can play in big movies. But mm-hmm. I think the thing we've seen him as is Fruitvale. He's he's sort of the the hero of the story, mm-hmm. the, this, this tragedy that happens. He's the hero in Creed. Right. He's a good kid on Friday Night Live. He's playing, so to, but to see him as a villain and see him as a compelling villain, yep. I think that's the thing that I think will surprise people. With real motivation. Real motivation. That, that makes sense. Real villain where you're like, <laughs> like, I hate this dude. Like, he's, yeah. he's kind of a he jerk. Is a, he is a bad he's, person. He's a bad man. <laughs> but, and, and to make it believable. You're not, yeah. like, you're not watching a, a baby face pretend to be heel like it's a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. You're watching a real heel. Like, it reminded me when the, when the Rock turned heel in wrestling. Oh, really here fun. we go. I'm just being honest. Like <laughs> The Rock came out as a face, and people liked him. But when he turned heel, it was like they, he was like lit on fire. Someone mm. gaslit his career, and he was so good at being a heel. That's where all those funny sayings come from. Those, oh, really? Yeah, uh, from no him idea. being a heel. But even as a heel, the fans loved him. Gotcha. And that to me, that's Killmonger. Same with Stone Cold. Stone Cold was a heel. He was the anti-hero. He was against this. But again, <laughs> these, but these are themes in wrestling that that work. So right. it's funny to see them play out in cinema in a yeah. way that's compelling mm-hmm. uh, with much better acting, obviously, and much better dialogue. Mm-hmm. But it's the same idea. Here's someone who, who was you, you've seen in, as a baby face in movies as this good guy. We're going to flip him, and now he's the villain, and we're going to see how he plays as a bad guy. Yep. As a sort of sadistic person. With Oof, does not with give a motiv- Yeah, he does not. <laughs> with some decent motivations, but still a villain. Yeah. And, it, and I think a lot of how the beauty of the cast is a lot of how we see Killmonger in the movie is played off other characters reacting to things he's saying and doing. Okay. Yeah. That's the, another thing that helps sort of sells him as, as, the, mm-hmm. as the big bad. He is also one of the, one of the clever things that Ryan Coogler did is his scope with people. Right. So Mubaku, who is essentially Manape, they never call him Manape because I did not want to do that, which makes sense. Yeah, that's problematic. Every time that they filmed him, the camera's tilted up slightly. And even the sound, the sound design around. when he yeah. walked when around. The sound when he, I noticed that. I was like, oh, they make him sound like he's a, he's a big And dude. I mean, and you look at him like the dude is big in general. Yeah. But even with Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman, they're standing face to face, nose to nose. Michael B. Jordan is a big dude. It's ripped. Like, he is just, he is tall. He is muscled. So, like, they did a really good job of just framing everything and g- making sure that those characters, again, were consistent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we could talk about it for a lot longer, but right. we we, we, we are under time crunch because we were just we're about wrong. to go into another we're screening. See another movie under time crunch. <laughs> Double feature tonight. So, good, bad, or ugly? The official rating system of this podcast. Uh, what what do you give it? It was good, man. It was mm-hmm. you know for a movie that was as hyped as it was, I was expecting. Again, like I said, I was expecting to like it for different reasons than yep. I did. I think it's going to be a movie that's going to spawn some interesting conversations about mm-hmm. how we view countries and wealth and and our ability to help even in our personal lives yeah like your ability to help people when you can help them or not help them for for whatever reason um man and shout out to a cameo from the beginning of the movie that i forgot was in the movie uh the opening scene i was like yeah. oh i forgot he was in this uh, I, I looked yeah because i mean he is on imdb like he is listed oh i knew he was in it but i forgot but i did not like that like that was like the cast is a phenomenal cast hands <laughs> take your kids take your daughters for sure Absolutely. We they talked about that again, like right it. after the movie. I texted so, my friend Lee. I was like, yeah, you need to go. <laughs> a lot of people die. A lot of people get killed in this movie. A lot of people die? You only see blood. A uh, few people. A few people die. Not a lot. Yeah. Die. I mean, yeah. It, it is, there's know, some death. There, there is some death. There, I can count 
like four times when you actually see blood. Yeah, it's, it's a PG-13 that, movie. I mean, but that in itself, like, that is great because that means take a family. Like, yes, there are some yeah, themes that are going no to be tough. There's no way this is going to be rated R. No. No, no way. of course it, it, that's, that, and that's the good thing Marvel's are doing. Like, even the Civil War is PG-13. There's a lot of death and destruction yeah. in that movie. You never see any blood. Yeah. Um, so that Marvel's really good at, like, crafting these, mm-hmm. these PT-13 hyper-violent superhero movies without feeling like you're seeing actual yeah. violence. And for all of the all of the women who when they saw Wonder Woman and they came out of yeah. the movie and they, they felt powerful, they felt strong, every person of color who goes to see this movie coming out of it is going to have those same types of feelings. But even, you know... It, I remember that scene in Wonder Woman where where um, Diana's watching the training. She's young. Diana's watching them train. Mm. The, the, the them mm-hmm. are training. Uh, it was that feeling, but for like with the women in Black Panther, but for two hours. Yeah, like watching these Seriously. strong women fight <laughs> and like be sort of like even that scene when in 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 um, Justice League where they're trying to protect the Mother Box, mm-hmm. like watching them work together. Like the way the Dora Milaje move as a unit Whew. is kind of crazy. <laughs> Yeah, those, and again, those quick staff like boom boom and then you see them just move I was yep. like this is dope from the beginning they, they established that these are women that you do not want to mess with these not. are not just women who train together this is a unit they are family the, they move oof. as one they yeah. move in unison everywhere they go mm-hmm. yeah and even that great uh, uh, conversation with um, Lupita Nyong'o Lupita yep. and, and, and Denai is great when they're talking about what to do next Mm -hmm. I was like yeah man this is why this movie is the internal conflict (laughs) movie is flames yeah yeah I need to see it again I need to see it again without all this I I had like so much anxiety Mm -hmm. like what is this gonna be (laughs) and then once that calmed down um, I was fine so I'm gonna see it again and sort of be able to sort of dissect different things and look at it same and sort of enjoy it but yeah it's awesome Uh, my official rating is, is absolute good yeah Everybody needs to see this movie. If you're a fan of just the Marvel movies and do not really know about the character, you will like it because it is a Marvel movie. It is formulaic in the Marvel way. Right. But there are so many groups of people that need to see this movie and that will take something from this movie that I think is really important. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phenomenal. We're yeah. Tim and I are each seeing it again. Yeah, I'm seeing another time this weekend. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know when, but definitely again. Yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah, tomorrow. So, awesome. Uh, now we're going to go back to ourselves. Okay, what are we talking about now? Cl- the Cloverfield? Cloverfield. Is. Yeah. So now <laughs> I listen to us talk about Cloverfield Paradox <laughs> yeah. and how much I love Goo Goo Mabatha I didn't say it enough in the review. You sure had some, can uh, I, can you I sure be- had some googly eyes. Before I cut to this, <laughs> for, for I'm so disappointed in you and Chris Lambert. What? Oh, for talking about 25th Hour and kind of just brushing over Rosario Dawson. How, how did that? I listened to that. I was like, I was so angry. Sorry, you, you didn't mention like. Have you seen the movie? You seen the movie? I saw it, but I don't. It was on. one of the ones that I not rewatched. When anyway, there's been the another episode. episode about to review. <laughs> I can't believe that. I was listening to like you guys just mumble rapped over her like she wasn't in the movie. This has been another episode of yeah. the Light Bright Patrol. Um, I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, now you can listen to Tim and I talk about Cloverfield. That was our review yes. for Black Panther. Back to the past. All right, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> went 88 miles in DeLorean and we've returned yeah um the clock uh, tower that's how they got there the clock tower the clock tower <laughs> right when the lightning struck that's how spoiler that's how, alert that's how Marty Sheesh. McFly gets back uh okay so hopefully uh we just talked amazingly about Black Panther mm-hmm. uh we don't know we, we we do not know we'll have to listen to it 
or listen to ourselves in the future. Absolutely. Time travel is weird. It's weird. (laughs) It's it's not linear. No. It's Tommy Wimey. It's the doctor would say. Tommy Wimey. It's the doctor would say. Yeah. Have you been, did you watch the Christmas special? Yes. How do you feel this new season? Like real quick Doctor Who thing. Yeah. How are you feeling right now? I'm, I'm, listen, I'm a Doctor Who fan, so Mm -hmm. it's, I'm in on whatever. I like the new Doctor. I think she's great. Yeah. Um, I like Bill as a companion. Yeah. I think she's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Pearl Mackey's great. Um, yeah, I'm in for it. Okay. I'm in for different worlds and more Daleks, the silence to show up again, probably some weeping angels. See that? When you bring in a new doctor, you can sort of reintroduce that doctor to some of these old you, creatures. You can. One of my, I mean, I, I've been watching Doctor Who since I was a kid, you mm-hmm. know, the Tom Baker era. I have an external hard drive that has every episode mm-hmm. uh, from the very beginning, even after the BBC fire, when they only had pieces, they have the audio. Yeah. I have those episodes. I love Doctor Who. It is getting to the point, though, with like after the reboot. Right. Having the same villains. Yes, they keep kind of tweaking them and doing different things. There's no villains. Exactly. But that is the thing is I want there to be a, a bigger focus mm-hmm. on like the weeping angels. Like don't blink or blink. That episode is tremendous. Mm-hmm. And it introduced a brand new villain that we had never seen before. The mm-hmm. Silence. Yeah. Brand new, never seen before. I want more stuff like that. Yes, there will, I don't there think will we're always not gonna be Daleks and you, Cybermen. Would you think we're not going to get it? I, 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 we had I mean, how you were saying that, like, you know, you can introduce the old villains to the new Doctor. Yes. They're going to. I mean, that's the thing they're going to do. Of course, I mean, they're going to. I just, I wish that they could stop kind of going back to the legacy characters all the time. Because think of every major storyline. Yeah. It is about the same villains. Yeah. So. The master. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get some of that. But I, you know, I think they're going to, they have an opportunity to do something really cool. And I don't think they're going to miss it. I think they're going to at least try something new. Because it's all new. Yeah. I mean, I'm here for it. Absolutely. But you didn't like the Christmas episode. No, I liked it. Um, I just, yeah, I'm interested to see where where this one goes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having Bill back after i mean she kind of had her nice exit yeah you know and it was like oh nice you get to be with the water girl yeah uh, apparently i mean we will find out kind of what what happens with what that. happened yeah but yeah i'm down for it it's doctor who of course i'm going to watch it uh okay so we did the director spotlight on ryan coogler mm-hmm. now to touch on and discuss and rate and review cloverfield paradox yes now since you introduced uh, the first two right. films that Ryan Coogler, I will talk about the Cloverfield franchise. Fair. This was something that was a brainchild of J.J. Abrams. 2008, we get Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. After like a year of some of the most crazy viral marketing, it was like, go to this website, but right. part of it is decoded and you have to go here and here. And it was like... I do not have time for that. So I would just give it a couple days and then go online to like Reddit and be like, oh, cool. Somebody already figured out everything. So 2008 Cloverfield drops. We had no idea what it was. None. They were being so tight lipped about it. We thought it was a new Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. Could have the the poster with the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty without a head, you know, head was gone. Head off. Mark on it. So they were like, okay, is he doing this? Is it? So we going into the movie, not having really any idea because even the viral marketing stuff mm-hmm. did not clarify anything. Mm-hmm. So going into the movie within the first like 10 minutes, I was like, okay, 
This is going to be all found footage. Yeah. I've got to put myself back in that mind space that I have not been in since Blair Witch Project. Right. That that was one of the big gripes about this movie is that it was 2008. People kind of thought we were past the found footage style, mm-hmm. the run and gun style. But whatever. So it takes place uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the character's brother, you know, is going off to Japan for a new job. And it says going away party when chaos ensues. An attack happens in Manhattan. And then it's about them surviving and trying to find his ex-girlfriend. Yes. Slash girl he dated. Well, I wouldn't have went back for I would have been like, it's no. a wrap. That, that, was a, that was one of my big problems with this movie. Is just like, why? Like, the, so much of the plot revolves around... They were they were relatively safe. They yeah. made it out of the building they were in, mm-hmm. relatively safe. And he was like, "No, we have to go across town to get my girl." Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Dumb. Yeah. Uh, through this found footage style, we get introduced to a bunch of different characters. We get we get to see the creature, right? Which is this. I will say we get to see it, but we only total footage of it the entire movie maybe seven minutes like if we were to cut and paste all of it together we never really see how big it is what type of monster it is we see a face and some limbs Mm -hmm. that is about it yeah so throughout the movie they're going going they do not explain where the creature came from where this monster came from what is happening how they're going to get rid of it all the while trying to escape and get this girl right yeah that is about the film. That's the movie. <laughs> um, I remember enjoying this film, mm-hmm. even through its faults of being a run and gun style found footage thing. You thought it was a fault? It just like to me watching those movies is hard for the, an hour and a half. Like, I mean, it, our brains are programmed to watch things a certain way, so you just kind of you get used to it. But it like, didn't bother me at all. It took me a little, took me some Not getting used all. to. I, I, I like the ground level view of a monster attack. I thought that was genius. That that was incredible. And what was weird is going back when I was watching this. Seeing TJ Miller. I was like, there are, I was like, that is where he came from. Yeah. So TJ Miller's in this. And it's not just, they're not just battling the monster. Those those little creatures, the creatures that come off of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Little things. That Which they, again, we, we never really They never explain see. anything. Yeah. Well, you don't need an explanation. You're just watching mm-hmm. people get through like. No one has time to explain like this mm-hmm. is where these creatures come from. There's no scientist yeah. who shows up to to have some answer. It's just you're in the middle of chaos and mm-hmm. you have to get out. And I thought that was yeah. Rough. I did like that the frenetic pace of it because that is what would happen in real roughly life. in a real life. It is like okay, this is happening. Who knows something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, remind, it reminded me of the beginning of World War Z, which is like, which is like yeah. people <laughs> wouldn't know what was going on. No, they would have people would panic and run and do things, but they wouldn't know why they were doing it they would just be like i my initial instinct is to fight and to run and to save myself mm-hmm. yeah so throughout that i mean we only have a few characters that we kind of stay with from the beginning of the film to the end mm-hmm. no resolutions nope. no ending we don't know if the monster's dead nope nope it just kind of ends yeah and at this point this is way before we knew that jj abrams had this whole grand idea for the cloververse Maybe before he had a grand idea for exactly. So like, it ends. I remember just watching it, being like, "Okay, uh, solid movie," but no idea kind of what 
I was fine happens. with the ending too. I was like, really? Well, yeah. I was like, yeah. The ending isn't. It's not a monster movie because the premise of they're looking at this guy's footage, right? So yeah, not the gov- yeah, the government found the government this camera. Found the camera. So there's not mm-hmm. necessarily an ending that would be in the footage. True. It's yeah. just the end of the footage, mm-hmm. and that's the end of the movie. So yeah. there's necessarily an ending attached to it. It's just it's over. We, he filmed up to this point, and that's all we have. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're watching. So I thought that was fine. I, I didn't. It didn't kill me until it wasn't in. Yeah. Uh, I didn't and then, need to see like a King Kong style ending. True. Yeah, you don't need to see the monster getting to the top yeah. of you know the building. They do a full pan out to show you exactly yeah. what it is. It was nice that it left us with some mystery. Yes. So, uh, so then with Clover Ten Cloverfield Lane mm-hmm. from 2016. 2016. So this was interesting. So Dan Trachtenberg directed yes. this first film. Uh, Dan Trachtenberg. I remember watching on the TRS show, the Totally Rad show, a mm-hmm. uh, cool podcast that did video version, seeing him get a huge budget film and then not, again, not knowing what it was about and then realizing that huge budget was slim. I mean, not slim down. That is the wrong word, but used in a very interesting way where in 10 Cloverfield Lane, it takes place after, quote unquote, the events of. Does it? Exactly. Like we never, re- or at the same time, they could be concurrent. I don't think that's what is happening. We'll talk to you about that when we get to, to paradox. Okay. So basically, with Ten Cloverfield Lane, right? <clears throat> uh, it essentially revolves around three people, three people living in a bunker. Right. So uh, John Goodman. Uh, let me pull up uh, the other two. Uh, but they're not living in the bunker. That they are. She's driving after a breakup with her. What was the voice by Bradley Cooper? Who's supposed to voice it? Somebody's supposed to voice her boyfriend. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I don't know who voiced. Someone's supposed but... to voice her. Yeah, but someone's supposed to be her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he got cut out, whatever. But she's driving. Um, she gets in an accident. She wakes up inside of a bunker. Yes, with kind of. I mean, not chained to a wall. Chained to, uh, to a wall, and she has this weird bandage around yeah. her. She's introduced to John Goodman, who's mm-hmm. like, "There's been an attack." The air is toxic. Yeah, we can't go out there. Mm-hmm. We, we're safe in here. And realize that she's also there with another person. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Gallagher Jr. playing yeah. Emmett. So her and Emmett are there. Oh, and then there. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, Mary there Elizabeth we go. Winstead. And they're in there, and they're trying to figure out what's happening. And he's got this conspiracy theory that the aliens have showed up. The air is toxic. They're hunting us in these spaceships. We're safe here. I've got food and water to last us mm-hmm. until we figure out what's happening. But they're unaware. They don't know of, of what's happening outside this real. They just are... There, there are no crazy. windows to the outside world except for two, two that she sees that that we see yeah. a couple times, but that is things look clear outside. So she's not well except for one time with well, well yeah she tries to escape and this woman wants to get in mm-hmm. and he's like do not let her in mm-hmm. she's sick you can't let her in um, so she realized that maybe there's some truth to what he's saying mm-hmm. but then they realize that maybe he's not the person he says he is. Yeah, the, there are some some mysteries and murdered someone and put him in a vat of, of some acid, acid at some point because his stories are not lining up. Yeah, if it is not his daughter, honest. if it is somebody else, and, and watching his performance, which I love Goodman's performance. Yeah, in, but watching Goodman's performance, you're not sure if he's really socially awkward or if he's a crazy person or if mm-hmm. he's just an odd dude or if he's just yeah. some dude who lives in a bunker and does not know how to communicate well to people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they and make I mean, a few discoveries and just figure out that maybe he's dangerous. He's more dangerous yeah. in here than what's out there. And w- 
what is interesting is the points in the movie that are counterplayed of the acceptance of like, okay, we'll just, you know, yeah. like the music changes and like halftones mm-hmm. are putting puzzles together. And but he has all these weird rules life. too, stuff you can't do. And then, yeah, something will yeah. switch and then yeah. he freaks out. Right. Right. It so, reminds me of The Mist in a way. Stephen King's The Mist where like they're trapped in that grocery store. Yeah. And it's like the real danger starts to be, I don't know what's out in the mist, but right now inside this grocery store, we mm-hmm. can't be with these crazy people because they're going to kill us. Yeah. So you just like, I'm, I'm going to roll the dice in this mist and see what happens. And that's what happens with um, the main character. She decides, I'm she, gonna, she I'm needs gonna risk to, it. to make some moves. <laughs> and you realize that he was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. He was right. And that was something where. He was right. Because it's outside. First, she, get, she gets outside. And again, like, you know, slight spoiler, but a couple years ago, she makes it. She gets outside and she takes off her mask and she was like, the, the air seems fine, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then she sees something in the distance. That reacts to her, yeah, and starts coming back. Right from it's like there, a spaceship, little drone, like an or- organic drone thing, spaceship with spaceship. She gets in the car, realizes that, that you know she hears like that. There's safe. The news is talking about an, an alien attack. Mm-hmm. And there's safety in Houston, and she makes a turn towards Houston at the end of the movie. Yeah, to, to, so to be in Houston. So this is one where I mean, definitely props to Jan, Dan Trachtenberg yeah. to because we were talking about it with. Ryan Coogler. Yeah. These two films tonally fit. Right. Two completely different directors, but they fit in the same world. And again, we're not sure at the end of this, I will say, we're not sure if this is a prequel, if this is a sequel, if these are parallel concurrent storylines. Right. Not sure. Right. So this is happening in the South. Mm hmm. And that's, that's what we know. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the rollout for this was interesting too. We didn't get much. We didn't get nope. much of a trailer. It was a really short time between the poster, the trailer, and the release. It was like a small window. We didn't get a lot of time <laughs> to marinate on it. Mm-hmm. We heard about a potential Cloverfield sequel. Mm-hmm. It, it was, was Cloverfield a, something. I was going to say there was maybe, a weird title for it. And then we get the poster that says 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. And then we get the trailer. And then we saw the movie. It was like three weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> we saw the movie. So brilliant. Mm-hmm. Smart. I mean, well, I think, and you and I are agreeing that it is a very clever way to do the marketing. Because you don't allow people to dissect it for 10 minutes. Like people exactly. are already piecing apart that Venom teaser trailer because it looks dumb. It looks dumb. But right uh, but now, <laughs> and the movie's not out until the fall. Mm-hmm. So you got to yep. give them more footage. You got to see Venom. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, here's the story we're doing. It's a super small sci-fi story. Yep. It's... I'm not going to tell you much about it. Mm-hmm. There's people in a bunker. And you'll see it in a couple weeks. You'll see it in a couple Bye. weeks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of marketing. Yes. That le- so after 10 Cloverfield Lane, it leads us into Cloverfield Paradox. Okay. Originally titled Cloverfield God Particle. Called God Particle. And it was supposed to come out in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, then. Not in the spring. Was it spring? Mm-hmm. April. Oh, April. Okay. Yeah. Uh. There had already been some kind of inside baseball stories of it having trouble with distributorship and yeah. bouncing around from studio to studio. No one was really sure what was going to happen, but it still was slated to drop in the spring. Lo and behold, all of us are watching the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Twitter starts going a buzz. <laughs> but, but we knew we could get our first trailer for yes. it. That, 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 much, that was something that they, they were they Oh, said. it's going to be a trailer for the new Cloverfield movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Yeah. And then we get we do get a trailer. We, we get we get a great trailer, and Thanks. then it says, 
after the game on Netflix and everybody was like, uh, what? So then people were, I mean, Twitter within three minutes was just chock full of screenshots of Netflix that dropped. It It was like after the game and it was like, add to your list. Boom. That type of marketing. And it pissed off so many people. And they're like, they're not even showing it to critics first. Blah, blah. Boo hoo. Yeah. I don't care about all that. No, I don't. I don't care that Netflix (laughs) is the medium in which I watch my art. I'm fine with it. Yeah. And there's a really cool, I forget who, who put it up, but it was a really great tweet. And it was like, people are, you know, complaining this major movie studio or major movie bounced around from studio to studio and kind of offloaded to Netflix. Whereas you look at independent creators Mm -hmm. and I talked to a lot of them on the show, they would love to get on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So like Netflix has this like stink on it in Hollywood. for me. But yeah, not for me either, because I'm like, do you realize what it takes and what yeah. it means for some people to be on Netflix? Mm-hmm. But no, so many of our fellow critics, they were just they were upset by it. And I was like, why are you upset? This is not your movie. Yeah, I think I think people just have a hard time with stuff not being seen in theaters. They feel like certain movies should yeah. be seen in theaters, which I get to a point, but also yeah just just kind of roll with it not for the spectacle like if you, if i'm looking for a story and, and like i don't need a theater for it mm-hmm. i can watch it on my laptop i just watched ritual last night on netflix that looked interesting it's, was it good it's it's a bunch of people doing stuff they shouldn't do oh there's a point in the movie where we would have both <laughs> said i'm out i'm turning back around they they keep dredging forward and i was like oh this is where this is a 10 minute movie just like when tim shows up at a cabin and they're like what are these symbols oh it looks like witches live here well you guys Mm. (laughs) it's been real what is a day back hike i don't need to sleep in this cabin Mm -mm. i don't care if it's a storm outside i'll just be in i'm gonna be in a storm I'll see you guys later. Uh, yeah, that would I be mean, nice. But that goes to your point that you talk about all the time with yeah, horror movies. People just got to be stupid. You need dumb people to you do dumb, dumb things. People. You need dumb people to do dumb things. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, so after... We found out about Cloverfield, Cloverfield Paradox. And then it was also renamed Cloverfield Paradox. And yes. then people were like, is this the sequel? Is this another movie? And but then they, were, they sent the trailer like how it all began. Right. And so then... Which is important. People were just kind of freaking out. Okay. So anyway, fast forward after the game, after the Super Bowl, yes, which oddly enough ended up being a great game. This yeah. was one year where I was not really interested in watching it at all. It was a great game. It was a hell of a game. Good job, Philly. I love watching Tom Brady sad. Anyway, uh, so after the game, Cloverfield Paradox drops on Netflix. Yes, sir. This is without a doubt the most polished, shiny, big budget blockbuster Cloverfield has ever seen. Yes. Uh, and it was directed by Julius Ona. Yeah, and a great cast. So not only was it like a big budget thing, but this has a huge cast compared to, again, you look at Cloverfield Lane, nobody. T.J. Miller was in it, but Cloverfield. nobody. Oh, sorry, Cloverfield. Nobody was in it. No one you know. No. This you know, Yeah, you know them now because T.J. Miller was on Deadpool and a bunch of other stuff. 10 Cloverfield Lane, John Goodman, and Elizabeth Winstead. Okay, maybe, you know, yeah. I mean, you obviously know John Goodman. Then comes Cloverfield Paradox, right. and it has a ton of people. Somebody who has been working like a madman the past three years, right. Daniel Bruhl. Daniel Bruhl's been in everything. Man, he is busy. Yeah. He's like, an alienist. <laughs> the Alienist, which is, have you been watching it? Yeah. Great show. Great show. I, I really like it so far. Yeah. Uh, 
they keep sending me the episodes a little bit early, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little bit ahead. Like, I mean, ever since Civil War, I would say. Yeah. People were like, okay, that really intense German type guy. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to put him in everything. Yeah. So Daniel Brühl is in this. Uh, David Oyelo, uh, Oyelo. Chris O'Dodd. Chris O'Dodd. Who is hilarious. Nice character actor. Uh, Zhang Ziyi. Mm-hmm. Uh, who looks exactly how, the same. How are you putting Google last? I, is I was ch- waiting for you to introduce. I was waiting last? for you to introduce her because I was going down because I knew Come you had much to That's say. That's disrespectful. Uh, Roger Davies, Clover Knee, Jordan Rivera, Michael Stokes III, Celeste Clark, Nathan Oliver, Donald Logue. Uh, yeah, that is it. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm, the rock, I'm leaving it? out the person. She is billed top also on IMDb. She, she is. She's the Google Mabatha Rock. She's the top bill in this film. She is. For and sure. And also, she has another Netflix comedy, romantic comedy thing coming out right. in the next few months. Um, yeah. So, Cloverfield wow. Paradox, we get this space station. This huge space station with the, I mean, borderline skeleton crew for how big that station yeah. is. And they're trying this particle accelerator, which any movie, (laughs) I mean, granted, I say any movie that does this, they're asking for trouble. We have one on Earth at CERN (laughs) and it has a bunch of troubles. This is this is a problem, people. So they're up in space testing this particle accelerator for unlimited energy because they cannot test it on Earth. But also there's a, a added pressure because these countries on earth are at the brink of war mm-hmm. because it's a lack of resources, right? Yeah. So, the, the European, the, this is the European year war. 2028, 48. Uh, I forget when, cause it, it I get these it takes movies. Place, no, they, no, it takes place. Like it's like 2048 or 28, which I think this one is also, one of the first to actually say a year. Yeah. I think it's on 28 or 48 is one of the two. Yeah, cause in, 10, in the future. Yeah. In 10 Cloverfield lane, at one point, you see Emmett's driver's license, and I'm actually going to focus on it for a second, which was, I thought, weird at the time. The expiration date, I think, was like 2016 or 2018. So I was like, okay, this is kind of now-ish. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to what's yeah. happening. So, <laughs> so on, this is like in the future. I think either 2028 or 48. But some, this, this Yeah, something happening. like that. Definitely in the future. In 28. Uh, so it's on a brink of war. So there's pressure. International. This, international space station. There's yep. a pressure for all these people. To create this renewable energy source to mm-hmm. stop this war for resources yeah. that's probably going to happen. Uh, definitely going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, okay, we need to test this. Stuff starts going wrong, of course, as it does. They have had multiple failed attempts, so, and they're at the point. For like a ye- over a year. Oh, yeah, because then at one point, uh, Google days. was talking to, when she was kind of flashback to Earth, you know, she was talking to her boyfriend husband, yeah, husband. Uh, whoever some guy that tim was jealous of um mm-hmm. as he was watching the film yeah. so and he was like just go this is a huge opportunity you're only, the beginning of the film yeah you're only gonna be gone for six months no and she was like okay but they're up there for over a year over a year multiple failed attempts and every time they try this thing this particle accelerator and it fails they have to call all the different bases around the world and be like we still are not there and then they get a report back being like basically you need to hurry up because stuff is going bad right so finally it it does end up working and we will not spoil what overloads it overloads well yeah it works for a second and of course they're like yay high fives all around and then bad stuff starts happening so what this does in the context of the film is 
is oh you also see donald logue's character who is the author of the book the cloverfield paradox right so we find out for the first time in this clover verse where the name cloverfield actually comes from mm-hmm. it is the name of the space station mm-hmm. so donald logue wrote this book the cloverfield paradox basically being like we do not know what we are messing with if this works Great, but what does that mean? And if it goes wrong, this could breach yeah. space time. Space time, you know, and unleash, unleash hell and demons mm-hmm. and creatures, and we don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. He sort of gets laughed off for saying that. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And that's exactly what happens. Yep. In show. Pretty much. So, and that, and again, it, it is, we'll not, again, spoil the things that happen on the space station. The things that happen on the space station have direct repercussions on for both of the two films, for Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane. What do you mean by that? So the things that Donald Logue was referencing, like, we don't know what this could do. This could open up a portal to other yeah. dimensions and other beings. Right. So that thing that was in Cloverfield, mm-hmm. that thing that was in 10 Cloverfield Lane, most likely is because of what happened on the Cloverfield space station. Right. But I don't think we're watching a linear story. I think we're watching three different realities. Mm. If this thing is split. So in this movie, they end up in a different place. Mm -hmm. um, That's not, that's mirrors where they're from. Right. But clearly things are different. But not the mirror universe because nobody had an evil goatee. That's right. Uh. (laughs) But but things are different. So Mm -hmm. I think what we're watching in the first Cloverfield is a timeline that when this particle particle acceleration split space time mm-hmm. it drops a monster in new york in early 2000s in this timeline right and when we're watching chlorophyll lane it's a it's an alien invasion in the middle of texas mm-hmm. on this timeline in a different on a different earth yeah and i think the paradox stuff we're watching a couple different earths happen I mean, and they definitely lay the groundwork yep. for that with I some things that happen. I think that's what we're watching. So okay. there's not, it doesn't piece together like, oh, this happened oh, then, yeah. this happened then. It's, it's different Earths are affected by this thing that they did. And we're, mm-hmm. Cloverfield Paradox is, is seeing this incident happen. And Well, they created the incident. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, we're, we're they, watching it unfold. Yeah. Uh, and, one that, thing, and, that, and that leads to the new Cloverfield movie that takes place during World War II. Yeah, which people, again, are already kind of, so... The Clover, both Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane received really positive reviews right. from critics and from, you know, moviegoers. This one, for whatever reason, people have a big issue with. Yeah. Because it feels really different. It is a totally different type of thing. My thing that I want to say was an issue, what was weird. So Sean O'Dodd, mm-hmm. who is hilarious in everything he does, was almost too funny for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like his moments where he like he was always just like throwing in little jabs here and there mm-hmm. and comedic moments and it was like what is what is going on? like I did not bother me at all really no no I just thought, I just thought it was an interesting tone. Up there for a year I'm sure it gets crazy <laughs> Get a little stir crazy a little stir crazy a year a year on the space station yeah yeah I can imagine being a little stir crazy up there for a year uh, something happens to Chris O'Dodd. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite parts of the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he loses something and it and he finds it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that go- that happens um, to these people on mm-hmm. the space station. But yeah, I thought it was well. It wasn't scary at all. It was no. super interesting, weird sci-fi. It had moments 
where it very easily could have gone the event horizon route. Right. Yeah. Uh, especially one where they take off a panel yeah. and there's something behind the panel. Right. That again, it was not scary. It was like, Ugh. this is messed up. Like, yeah. where is you this going? You guys really caused a problem here. Yeah. Where is this going to go? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was solid. I'm interested to see now that we have seen a ground level attack, mm-hmm. a found footage style, a bunker, which is also ground level, and now a space station. The fourth one is supposedly going to be in World War II. Yep. What is that going to look like? Is it going to be a super glossy movie like this one or more of the grungy like a style? They're in and that leads to something. So more like a war movie. Hmm. And they realize that there's some supernatural elements that are taking place during this war. See, I, I'm not a big fan of war movies, but if it, if it has unique elements and if it is not it, all It's not just, going to be... None of these movies are straightforward. Yeah, true. It is not <laughs> going to be a straightforward war movie. There'll, right. be, there'll be something in it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was fun sci-fi. I thought it was interesting. I thought that they introduced a world where... You can drop these Cloverfield movies in any time, in any place. And it, it, is, it is smart. Um, you can just say, hey, we're doing a movie, 1970s Cloverfield movie about... Why not? These people in San Francisco mm-hmm. and this alien attack. Or, you know, yeah. why not? Because there's a paradox that mm-hmm. ripped a hole and this is a different Earth we're looking at. And and all, all they would need alien. to do is throw in a couple of the same elements yeah. in each and then be like, oh, no, it's the same universe. Yeah. It, it, no, it's smart. It is smart. Taking the multiverse element, similar to like the CW shows, right. there's enough of those little threads between all of them right. where they can dip and dive in between the shows. You know, right. little Easter eggs, mm-hmm. slow show machines, do it all. Yeah, cool. Uh, incredibly diverse cast. Yes, I definitely wanted to touch on that. Which space stations usually you should look like? <laughs> they really should. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, seeing Zhang Ziyi again was great. Uh, she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, of course. She has done a bunch of other movies. I mean, Rush Hour 3? Th- 2. 2. Um, but yeah, I mean, she has not done very many American movies mm-hmm. in a while. So that was cool. Uh, she did Warriors of Zoo Mountain, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it was good to see her. Diverse cast. Daniel Bruhl. I said it when we talked about Alienist. Yeah. When he is on screen, he is captivating. He's very intense. Just like Tilda Swinton. Yeah. When she is on screen, something about it is like... Yeah. Brule's very intense, but yeah. I liked I liked him in this role. I thought he was he was good for sure. All right, cool. So to the official rating system, mm. uh, which we already rated Black Panther. Uh, yes. So it's our second one. <laughs> it's our second one. So the rating system for this podcast, uh, you have three choices: good, bad, or ugly. They break down simply. A good is something that you would recommend to a friend that you came out of the movie being like, that was you know that was great. I had a fun time. You should go watch it. Bad, not something that you would specifically recommend, but you do not walk out angry, ugly, avoid at all costs. So, Cloverfield Paradox. Tim, what do you give it? I give it a good, mm-hmm. but I'm aware that it, it may not be for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I I thought it was fun. I need to watch yeah. it again. I thought it was really entertaining. And that is benefit. It is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. You could watch, watch it, it on the bus ride home. You could watch it at like any time. Yeah. So, at no point uh, was I bored watching it. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Um, with me, I mean, I also give it a good, like Tim. I see why some people had some issues with it. What I do not understand is that some of the issues seem predicated on, oh, but we didn't see it first. 
That is dumb. Get over Listen, yourself. I'm not, I'm not in those discussions, so I don't know. Oh gosh, but, I have uh, seen a few of those, and it's just like yeah, they just—they must not have had any choice. The studio had no faith in it. That's why the it's offer we're headed. Netflix, like, who cares? It's like, what, it, and it's where we're headed yeah. as a medium. It's we're going to see more of this. We're going to see more people putting big budgets into stuff that's going to show on Netflix and yeah. Hulu and Amazon. It's just what's happening. It's what t- TV went there, mm-hmm. and people boohooed it. But guess what? Yeah. People watch Stranger Things like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's a thing that's going to happen. I don't know why people are fighting it. It's just a thing that's going to be. It, it, it's is the a, future. it is a new medium. We will still have Let theaters. You can still see things in theaters. There will <laughs> right. still be movies in theaters to watch. Uh, but you're also going to get, it's going to give people an opportunity to watch some mm-hmm. of this stuff at home. Yeah. And I do think that, especially this year, the Academy with nominating Rachel Morrison for Mudbound. And even last year with uh, uh, 13, or uh, I'm Not Your Negro. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're starting to respect it more but there are still because cer- the talent's going there so what exactly. can you do? why not there's like, talent there's yeah. talent in this movie there yeah so the, there, the there's some really there. great performances so yeah, yeah two goods from tim and i uh so yeah that wraps it up for for the movies yes uh black panther got a whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever it got uh cloverfield paradox two goods uh, to wrap up the episode, yes, Black History Month. Black History Month. Black we, History B. We all we all have our. Tim does not like the term guilty pleasure because I he don't. is like at my age and stage, I'm more mature than that. Like who I'm not going to be guilty about what they like. <laughs> I'm not guilty about something I like. I like it. Yes. So an unexpected pleasure. Yes. So there is an entire genre of of films, and eventually we will do an episode on like black exploitation and our favorite kind black of black cinema. Black cinema. Uh, what I want to focus on, we're each going to give a movie that is an unexpected pleasure in black cinema. Okay. Uh, Tim, as the guest, you go ahead first. What is yours? Uh, don't be a menace. <laughs> yes. Don't it's be a menace. Short version. Yeah. By like, your juice in the hood. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't be a menace. Uh, I just remember, <laughs> you know, it, it was the, it was before the scary movies and the early parodies yep. from the Wayans brothers. Mm-hmm. Um. Pair sort of a parody of all these sort of black films. Don't be a menace. Boys, Boys in the Hood, hood. Mm-hmm. Juice. Yeah. Um, just menace society. Mm-hmm. Uh, just everything, right? So they parody all these movies and all these tropes that are in the films, mm-hmm. and it was really sort of funny and silly and like over the top and goofy, super over the top. And like the guy kept coming on screen saying message, like <laughs> <laughs> that stuff was funny. Yeah. Um, how over Give me your the top, number, girl. <laughs> how over the top the mom is when her son gets shot. She keeps showing up. Mm-hmm. She's like rolling on the ground, playing by Kim Wayans. She's like rolling on the ground. Mm-hmm. And this movie is ninety percent cast by the Wayans family. Yeah. But it's really fun. The soundtrack was really good. Soundtrack was good. It had a really sort of fire soundtrack. Uh, that Winter Wars track from the Wu Tang was really dope. Mm-hmm. I that. It plays at the end of the movie. Yep, at the credits. But yeah, just really fun. Like I don't know when it's on, I'll just watch it and be like, this movie is not a good movie. By any stretch of the imagination, but hilarious mm-hmm. and like pokes fun and all the stuff that we see in some of we've seen throughout black cinema, yeah, especially in the 90s. So, yeah, that's my pick. Don't be a menace. Nice. I'm a huge sucker for satire films, right? I mean, one of the best. Uh, I mean, it just kind of because hmm, I'm trying to think, Blazing Saddles, Blazing Saddles is great, Black Dynamite. Um, I love Black Dynamite. <laughs> But no, uh, the uh, what was it? The one uh, 
uh, why am I blanking on the name? You are. It was based on, on a like I know what you did last summer and all. Oh that. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, another yeah. teen movie. No, not a, no. Uh, was it not another? Yeah, teen not movie another that? teen movie. Is flat out hilarious. Yeah, like okay, it, it's similar. You, you, similar see, you see Chris Evans at his comedic yeah. best. I like Chris Evans was in. There. Oh my gosh, he was also. I was watching. I, f- I forgot he was in Scott Pilgrim. Was on the other night. Yeah, Chris Evans popped up. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is funny. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, okay, so my my choice for unexpected pleasure a movie that is so dumb yet so amazing 2001 pootie tang wow pootie tang <laughs> you're on your own is brother. what i do not like that i don't really find it entertaining no it is to me it is hilarious uh pootie tang started on the chris rock show yes i remember that uh and then he <laughs> got his own movie got his own movie <laughs> i liked him in those small doses on the chris rock show mm-hmm. also Chris Rock Show has some really good performances. That it is really one of those shows them. That, that yeah. If you go back, I and, can't find them and watch Chris Rock Show. Those you performances were, like, were good. Wanda Sykes was in a bunch of them. Like yeah. that show was solid. Uh, but Pootie Tang, I mean, it has Chris Rock, uh, Lance Crowther, Crowther, not sure how you pronounce his last name. Uh, JB Smoove, Wanda Sykes. Didn't Lucy K direct it or write it? Um, who directed that? Yeah, Louis C.K. Yeah, Louis C.K. So I had a little bit of stink on it. Good these old days. C.K. Um, but yeah, Pootie Tang. Again, it it is a a mockery of those old black exploitation movies where we have this character who is untouchable and has this mystique and aura around him for no obvious reason. Uh, yeah, man, you are on your Sarate. own, brother. Idea. I'm gonna sign your pity on the Renekin. <laughs> I can't even watch it. What? No. Oh my gosh. Can't watch it. Talk about a great song though. The like the intro to that movie. Nope. Great song. No. Great song. No. Uh, I think it was Girl Six. No, Girl Six was a Spike Lee movie. I think that was the name of the band also. It was the name of the band. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, total guilty slash unexpected pleasure. Wow. I have watched that movie dozens. Oh god. Of time. You're never getting that time back. <laughs> I, that time was well spent. <laughs> Never getting that well time back. Spent. Pootie Tang. Okay. Pootie Tang. Um, anyway, cool. So, <laughs> so those were those were our choices uh, throughout the month. Uh, I think I want to yeah throw in more of those little okay. ones, little little gems. So, uh, yeah, that is it. What else is coming up for for you these days? Um, other than watching black panther game night which i'm excited for mm-hmm. wait first uh, real quick black panther yeah how many times are you seeing it this week that i know of uh-huh i think two okay me too i think two, <laughs> I think two. for now um, shout out to damien and jess of course of the curly nerd yeah damien i think has like five or six <laughs> showings lined up already he is going to new york to go yeah. with jess opening night definitely check out the curly nerd podcast and their their definitely. recap of it it is going to be awesome um yeah that that's about it uh okay, yeah. and then game night you briefly mentioned that yeah, game night and mm-hmm. uh, you know so you we're getting i think black panther is the first big domino to drop yep. for our sort of huge film year of 2018 it's been a lot yeah. of little like ugh, movies that is january Look i mean yeah. you 50 shades for each oh my gosh um, uh i was like well, wait why don't they put that just put it in 4dx just let people come watch it, experience it in 4DX. Except 5DX is someone coming in and, and I was going to say, you yeah, you need to have somebody tying your tying your. Yeah, someone comes in and ties chair. you up and spanks you if you get in 5DX. That would, 4DX. Be, that would be the only reason I would ever watch that movie is if yeah. I was tied down. Yeah. I had, I purposely skipped that screening. I had zero interest in seeing it. Do you uh, want to see what happens? How no, the love story ends? Do not care. 
Those movies are trash. I can't believe you. The writing is trash. The acting is trash. The actors hate doing them. The only reason they did it is for the money. They hate each other. Uh, they hate each other. <laughs> and I hate the discrepancy of she had to be, she had to agree to be fully naked in the first one. And then I think she renegotiated her contract or whatever in the other two. Nothing like that was in his contract. Because they're not going to show a dong on that. Why not? Because it's NC-17 and then no one sees your movie. Why? Then, then Why it doesn't, that makes no sense. It's NC-17 and your movie. This will theaters won't carry it. How is the movie, male genitalia? I'm not saying it's an immediate right. NC-17. I'm not saying it's Dumb. right. I'm saying. And I, I disagree. Michael Fassbender. What? When he did the movie where he was uh, a nymphomaniac. Yeah. He showed dong. Yeah, he did. And that was on NC-17. That was rated R. Right. But that would have been NC seven. But that would have been an NC seventeen movie, and you so can't show stupid. it in so many theaters. And then there you go, people want to watch it. I hate that. So like, yeah, you he, it can't be in his contract because you want this movie to make a bunch of money. So you're, there's no way that's in his contract. Who would do that? Because so you don't because you no longer have a film. Well, you barely have a film with these three. I films. mean, you you really don't have a film then. Uh, here is the thing that the I first said, one made a lot of money. It made the second Ugh. one made a lot of money. It makes me angry when I see those numbers. <laughs> I don't. It doesn't make me angry. People watch what they watch. But here's the thing. They watch what they watch. People like, who, I don't, it's, what, <laughs> it's not my thing, but if you're into seeing like fake BDSM stuff, I'm cool with it. Terrible. If that's your thing. If you're into Twilight fan fiction that turn into a book, that turn into a movie, if that's what, <laughs> if that's what sort of like gets you going, that's fine. No. I think, I also think the curiosity of how they're going to tell the story because a lot of people I've read it have at least said mm-hmm. they've read the first book. So there's curiosity to be like, how they Why put did you this even on? read the first For whatever reason, they <laughs> read the first right. book. All right. So it's well read book. So then people decide to go see it in the theater. Ugh. And so it made a bunch of money. And I'm not surprised that it did. I'm not surprised it made a bunch of money. It, made it just bothers money. me because you take a movie, and I said it back then, I will say it now Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman, which is now on DVD and uh, streaming, that tells a better alternative lifestyle love story but why do you think people are into it for the alternative lifestyle love story which one why do you think people are into 50 shades because they they're not into 50 shades they're not into 50 shades for an alternative lifestyle love story that's not that's not soft core porn whatever just like it's a it's another pretty woman ridiculous love story uh, think of, it is. But, it's, it's a it's a girl who's sort of plain who meets this rich dude who falls in love with her and he's got this like dark past he was like adopted and sweeps her off her feet and he's got like yeah. this sex room he has that's it it's not it's nothing about alternative that's not even they're not even thinking about that and the, but that is therein lies the problem for me yeah. is that these are looked at as this is what an alternative lifestyle Ooh, looks like. Who said that? Uh, the major fan base. No way. So, no but anyway, my, my biggest thing about that <laughs> is... Like, I've never heard that. If you are somebody who is interested in that or wants to see something like that, please, please watch Professor Marston and The Wonder Woman. It shows a beautiful love story. It has BDSM elements. It has DS elements. It talks about the disc theory. I think people who are interested in that lifestyle will find those things. I hope so. And that is why, like, they're, why not, they're not looking at Fifty Shades as as their <laughs> point of reference. I think if you're in that lifestyle, you're you're aware. It's like, it's like any other culture, right? If you're into Doctor Who, mm-hmm. you will find those things that are Doctor Who related and, okay. and Doctor Who adjacent, right? Right. So if you're Torchwood. in, if, if you're in, yeah, right, you find these things. So mm-hmm. if you're into that lifestyle or interested in pursuing it, you will find these things. I don't think it's, I don't think Fifty Shades is taking away from or distracting people. It's just, yeah. it's just when, a lazy when, way of putting it in your film. That is, yeah, and I guess that is what it it's looks like, like it, to me, is that it yeah. is lazy. When I see the box office for Fifty Shades, 
and then I see the box office Professor Marston. That is what what kind of hurts. But why is it hurt? I don't understand why it hurts. It is just like Professor Marston is a beautiful movie, but it's not. Professor Marston isn't coming off of like a number one best selling book. It's not coming off. Unfortunately, it's not. It's not fan fiction. It's not written in a really cheesy way. It's right. not glossed over. There are elements of Fifty Shades that are so ridiculous and so glossed over, but they appeal to the masses, Ugh. right? But Professor Marston is a, is telling a real life story about mm-hmm. a real life person that's not going to have any of those elements to it. So there's so it's not going to make four hundred million dollars because it doesn't have those elements yeah. to it. Rebecca, not- Rebecca Hall got snubbed at the Oscar Best Supporting or Best Actress. Like she was fantastic. But anyway, yeah. it'll, it'll I, move I, on. I will, it'll I will ride or die for for Professor Marston, The Wonder Woman. Find it, download it. You can buy like both. It. You can like Fifty no, Shades, and you can like Professor <laughs> <Choose> Marston. <one. laughs> you can like both. I think they're I think they're two different two different types of art appealing to two different types of people. Yeah, for different reasons yeah. whatsoever. Like Fifty Shades was supposed to be a franchise. True, There's no Professor Marston franchise. No, of course. Coming. Yeah, no, they, they had a story to tell. It's a story to tell. It was a beautiful done. story, and they were done. Yeah, <sighs> those movies. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so but definitely game night kind of kicks off. Yeah, the start. Annihilation is later this month. Yes. Definitely excited for that one. Yeah, uh, Tomb Raider next month. Like uh, we, I'm excited for Tomb Raider. How's your girl Alicia Vikander? I like Alicia Vikander. I'm not excited for Tomb Raider. You never played the new games, though, right? I don't play video games. Ugh, look at that snootiness. I, no, I just don't play them. I don't have time. Um, and okay. we're also both going to be on the Northwest Nerd Podcast talking about Black Panther next oh, week. Oh, yeah. Uh, good. Yeah, I forgot about that. You forgot? So, well, you I, forgot I forgot the timing of this episode. So, yes. Sorry about that. So, definitely check out. The I, Nord- I don't, I, we'll find out when it airs. and we'll. I guess that was why I was kind of. We'll announce it on our social we, medias. Yeah, we're recording it next, next week. Next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday. Uh, as you're listening to this. So yeah, Tim and I will both be on the Northwest Nerd Podcast, another sure. local Seattle uh, podcast. Talking some Black Panther. And Talking some Black stuff, Panther. I imagine. So yes, we'll be on there. Yeah. So definitely check that out. And yeah, Tim and I definitely will be sharing links all over the place. Uh, cool. And where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, the People's Critic blog.com, uh, Twitter, People's Critic, Instagram, Snapchat, and their terrible new update. Um, which is, I just don't understand it. Okay. So here's I'm the I'm waiting for them to change it. I have no idea. I did not even notice the update oh, because I do not even know it's how it works. Dumb. <laughs> I wonder, like, did you run this past people? Spoiler like, alert. Yes, I'm on Snapchat and I have no idea how it works. <laughs> I just wonder if they ran it past people to be like, do you like how this works? And people said, yes. <laughs> right. And they said, okay. Or Ship someone, it. Print it. <laughs> yeah. Or someone had a good idea. It was like, how, how do you not understand why people like your product? And then you change it to a way that's not efficient. Anyway. I, I will take that's your word for it. Right. But okay. yeah, that's where they can find me. Nice. And all of Tim's links will be in the show notes below. All of my links. Click all of my uh, links. All of them. Uh, as for this podcast, you can find it all over the place. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at about to review. Uh, definitely check out youtube.com slash about to review. There are two episodes, two newer episodes up there. One of them with all of the interviews at the Vancouver Short Film Festival. And the latest episode with David Crownton, the creator and writer for Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, you can listen to those on the podcast feed, but when you watch them on YouTube, you get to see pictures of the creators, the work they're doing. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, that wraps it up. So uh, for oh, and make sure to subscribe and rate and review the show as well. Email the show. Email the show at about to review email at gmail.com. If you have Will you read the email online? I mean, yeah. On air. Uh, if, if somebody writes a good one, um, a good I, have, email. I have listeners who pretty much every episode email me. And they're like, hey, I really liked this. Thanks for talking about this. I, I guess I never really talked about those. But uh, thank you. Wow. <laughs> you don't talk about well, your because, fans. Like, what is going no, on I'm, here? It, I don't know. They're kind of personal conversations. Like, 
I will I will talk to the person and see if they are okay with me reading their email on on the show. That would be nice. So that I would be the smart thing to do. I will do that. But definitely shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for listening and for hitting me up, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook Messenger. When people seriously every week, I have people. I don't know if how Facebook me. works. So so well, yeah. just like Snapchat. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't, Snapchat is just weird. I only use it to talk to you, Jess, and Damien. Okay. So, anyway. All right. So, for this episode, I've been joined by... Tim. The People's Critic. The People's Critic. <laughs> and I've been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a treat. Thank you.